0: a mummy, or a vampire, or anything else that rises from the dead only on Halloween. <laughs> we are back, just when you thought we were gone, to deliver you yet another episode of Hugging and Learning, the podcast on which we rewatch whatever we feel like to see what we have to say about it, basically, is our motivation now.
1: What we have to learn, except a spooky word that rhymes with learn. Earn. Mm? earn oh yeah i get it that's good Wait. um so go ahead you <laughs> start and i'll try to do the thing and then i just did
0: it. i thought that was a great opening. it was
1: good but it's not it's not our standard we fucking up every time opening when you
0: say it was good and your voice goes up like that then i know it was bad
1: well chelsea it's good to be back
2: <laughs>
0: God. Uh, yeah. So we're doing a sort of one-off Halloween episode yeah. because we felt like it would be fun. For and sure. And Halloween has some interesting snacks.
1: Chelsea and I were sitting around thinking, man, I miss everybody who hasn't. Unsubscribe to this <laughs> right. podcast. This is a, if accident. you forgot
0: to unsubscribe, here's a special treat for <laughs> your feed.
1: Yeah, what what other podcast is gonna uh, you know reward you for being lazy <laughs> and right. not doing forgetful?
0: Things. Um, we have been busy. We've been working on stuff. We're writing a mm-hmm. uh, screenplay together, yeah. which we're very close to finishing. So yeah. we have not been idle, but we have missed. Uh, recording our podcast and we thought what better time we used to have so much fun doing our click or treat episodes at Halloween spooky mm-hmm. season time of year um and so then we uh we started casting around for an idea about what to record and I will never forgive Andy for this is suggesting this
1: yeah this is not great i never seen it before but I am a huge fan of these kinds of shows um just tell
0: us what tell us what we're doing andy
1: i will tell you what we're doing chelsea uh welcome to hugging and learning podcast on which we watch uh, very special episodes of television from whenever we feel like it to see whatever we feel like in whatever we feel like
2: and was
1: better. it was it was good <laughs> uh, today We will be talking about the Paul Lind Halloween special. Yes, which you can uh,
0: watch on Amazon Prime for a $3.99 rental, (laughs) which I will be
1: Venmo requesting you to pay me back for. In the notes of the zero dollars I give you, (laughs) I'll send you a link to YouTube.com. It's this new thing they came up with where everything is located It's just a
0: you, right? Um, Mm -hmm. So the original air date on this, October 29th, 1976 on ABC. And uh, the writers on this thing, they, there were so many, were uh, Bruce Villanach, Ronnie Graham, Ron Perlman, Biff Mayner, Mannard, or Maynard, Howard Albrecht, and Sol Weinstein. And I'm guessing that Paul Lind had something to contribute to the writing of this as well. Yeah. So seven... Writers in total. And
1: let's not forget, uh, before we get into his hilarious antics, Billy Barty is also credited as oh. a, a writer of quote unquote additional material. Interesting.
0: So he probably just imbibed his own lines then.
1: The, he was probably like, hey, you go make short jokes at my expense. Oh my uh, the, I invented the short joke, <laughs> yeah. me, Billy Barty. <laughs>
0: We're going to talk about Billy Barty at length.
1: So this was also directed by somebody named Sid Smith. Uh but that's not important right now. What is important right now is yes.
2: you wrote what? Mm, you, 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 boo you wrote back.
1: what? wrote what? <laughs> well.
2: Just <laughs> yeah.
1: I am disappointed. <laughs> Uh, so, a couple, couple corrections to make on your list of writers. Oh. Uh, one of them is Ronnie Perlman, which I got very excited about because you he is it was listed. it boy band guy? No, oh. I thought it was Ron Perlman, Hellboy's Own, Ron Perlman, <laughs> Sons of Anarchies, Ron Perlman, Beauty and the Beast, Beast, Ron Perlman. I
0: said Ron Perlman.
1: It's Ronnie Perlman, though. He's just some. Oh, writer.
0: I have Ronnie Graham and Ron Perlman per IMDb.
1: Gotcha. Uh, Ron Perlman, in this sense, is just some writer who did some things. And the first writer is the You Wrote What subject, whose name is Bruce Valanche. Yes. Uh, he's a comedian known for being the center square in the updated Hollywood Squares. Uh-huh. Uh, more on Hollywood Squares very soon. His writing credits include the Barry Manilow special, the Charo special, the Brady Bunch Variety Hour. And my personal favorite, Funny You Don't Look 200, a constitutional vaudeville. Stop it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's the movie that'll be playing on a loop when I finally get to hell.
2: Ooh, spooky. <laughs> Afterlife.
1: But here's the thing uh, there was, he was one of a slew of writers on a holiday special that may have signaled the end of these things we're going to talk about these 70s holiday specials oh yes i'm so excited as a
0: genre there's much to say
1: genre is the wrong word early pandemic is the (laughs) the word that i would use bruce valanche was one of the credited writers on the star wars holiday special which imdb describes as this Chewbacca and Han Solo try to get to the Wookiee homeworld of Kashyyyk to celebrate Life Day, but are impeded by an imperial blockade. Chewie's family passes the time with various forms of entertainment. It's horrible. <laughs> uh, that's There's a lot has been said about that Halloween or that, that uh, holiday special, but uh, you could always say more. Um, it's just it's just terrible. Uh So let's talk about a goddamn episode of special specials.
0: Before we move on from the writers, I was a little surprised you didn't mention that Ronnie Graham uh, plays the minister in Spaceballs.
1: Oh, no way. Really? Writer
0: number two on this list. And also apparently wrote on the Brady Bunch Variety Hour and some other of these types of specials. I'm pretty
1: sure all of these writers just wrote on... Halloween or holiday specials. Yeah, and then Bruce Vilanch had his breakout by writing for like the TV land awards and stuff like that <laughs> as well.
0: Uh, he wrote for the Oscars as well. Bruce Vilanch did. He sure
1: did. He is very well known for like Emmy, writing and, like, all of the stale old jokes here. Yeah,
0: jokes you, without a plot. You need jokes without a plot, just go.
1: Bruce. Bruce. It's, it's a Bruce falange. Wheel him in here. Of <laughs> oh, shitty God. jokes. No, he's terrible. It's not that he's terrible, it's just this was made in 1976, and his sense of humor never evolved.
0: This is the thing. I want to talk about this at the end, but, like, we all know comedy ages worse than drama because mm. humor is topical and sure. since you know what's funny changes rapidly but like there was good writing in this time right sure somewhere
1: yeah oh well, like i was reading. watching
0: it and i truly was like am i being too harsh judging this thing that came out in 1976 like is it not fair for me to be this mad in my own brain about mm. what i'm watching and then i was like no like good people were writing good the, things in the 1976. Special, the
1: special itself uh, refers to both Rosemary's Baby and The Exorcist, which are both really brilliant scripts about yeah. horror that didn't need an appearance by any glam no. metal bands oh uh, to make it happen. Well, all right. Although, <laughs> no spoilers. No spoilers. <laughs> no, sorry. The Exorcist does, does, does feature, feature Seals of Croft. Cooper. Yeah. <laughs> that better? Better? <laughs> you did better than I did. I don't uh. know why Seals of Croft was the only thing I could think of. But somewhere, both of Seals and Croft both went, woo!
0: <laughs> okay, quickly, because uh, in true click-or-treat fashion, we have multiple snacks. Oh, yeah. We,
1: we don't have time to, to fuck around here.
0: No, we are going to talk about um, you may have seen, I know we were both very enamored by the Thanksgiving dinner Brock's candy corn assortment. You guys,
1: if you haven't heard of review. this, go look it up and I'll link be it. horrified. Yeah.
0: Amazing. However, we couldn't get our hands on any of those and we have been looking for several weeks. Uh, you can get them on Amazon when they're like 40 bucks or something because everybody wants them now. Sure. So I got the next best thing, which is Brock's harvest corn, which looks like candy corn but with like a chocolate. Bottom? It's got a chocolate butt. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if it actually is going to taste like chocolate, or if it's just going to taste like regular old candy corn. But... Do you think there's a
1: room somewhere where candy corn scientists are like, "How do we fucking make this thing palatable? How do we? Can we turn it into a, a pumpkin shape? Sure.
0: You know what's funny is like I never see generic candy corn
1: it does exist it does i
0: only ever see brock's and i honestly kind of think it's because no one else wants to touch it
1: nobody nobody can buy i mean there's one generic brand of candy corn guess what it's that they've perfected the formula (laughs) well (laughs)
2: you know it's worth mentioning that they've cornered the market They've cornered Candy cornered.
0: They've cornered, they've cornered mm-hmm. it. Corn oh.
2: cornered one, it. One You're cornered. Yeah.
1: Back to you guys. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping that at least one person was wondering aloud why are these guys podcasted anymore right before that <laughs>
2: happens? Well that'd be really good. That's like fifty percent of our subscriber. <laughs>
0: uh and we have something else here, Andy. Why don't you describe to us what this is?
1: Yeah, listen up, all both of you. <laughs> <laughs> Um we are also in this segment of our snack uh, review going to look at Hershey's Vampire Kisses. They're milk chocolate filled with strawberry fra- flavored cream. Uh-huh. Or is it blood? Or is it? No, it's flavored. It says it right here. It's strawberry flavored cream. Oh,
0: okay. Well, just in case you were worried. Oh,
1: but it's naturally and artificially flavored. Woo!
0: Naturally with blood, artificially with high fructose
1: corn syrup. <laughs> Which one is worse for you? Woo. All
0: right. Let's let's uh, let's have a snack and uh, let's talk about it. Bye. And I'm here.
1: Yeah, that's that's okay.
0: I uh, mean, the harvest corn tastes exactly like candy corn. Yeah. There's no sort of chocolate ness about it. I'm uh, a person who doesn't mind candy corn. I don't seek it out, but if you got it on the table at your Halloween party, I'm gonna have a few.
1: You can have a few, because yeah. Because three is the maximum number of candy corn you should have in any sitting. Sure. A sitting to be defined by a ten-year period of
0: time. I will also say that candy corn is great for decorating other Halloween treats with, 100%. like you put them on top of like um, a cupcake, and suddenly it's a Halloween cupcake. Exactly. You know what I mean? Um, but then then the person picks it off and doesn't eat it.
1: Yeah, it's like a cornucopia. You don't eat the cornucopia. No, you don't eat that uh, part. Um,
0: what about these Hershey Vampire Kisses?
1: Just fine. They I tasted Like. Them. like generic chocolate and generic strawberry which yeah, is nice sometimes. Yeah, I
0: like that it has a little bit it tastes like a little bit like um a cherry cordial inside that's what which it was. 100% I like. I like those. 100 cherry cordial. The inside is goopy, it's runny. <laughs> it's not like um like a, a piece of chocolate in a box that has a strawberry center that's like a a hard little mushy scrub this like runs when you bite into it like blood i I think it's kind of fun um yeah whatever these are fine these are serviceable treats for your halloween
1: listen if you've got creepy kids who want to pretend to eat blood or creepy kids who like candy corn both of these treats would (laughs) work for you they're
0: these are just fine totally
1: adequate it it works. Hopefully, our, our our next segments will. Oh, and nobody stopped me when I mushed uh, candy corn and uh, Hershey's kiss together. So I guess our I couldn't friendship couldn't
0: stop me. I was paralyzed with horror.
1: It's yeah. Uh, it was. What, horrible. Did, what was that like? It's just just disgusting. Oh no. Um, yeah. It's whatever you think it is. It's it's not great. And so the snacks are taken away and the show (laughs) continues. Miles is taking them
0: away from us. So let's talk about The Ordinary World because The Ordinary (laughs) World is Paul Lind.
1: The Ordinary World is also 1976. Yes. And I want to get this out out of the way. I just want to mention that what little research I did into the Halloween or the holiday special thing just returned the fact that this very specific time. Like I found a list of Halloween or holiday specials rather. I found a list of holiday specials, and, like, they were, like, the top 20 of them, and they were all from 1975 to 1979. Yes. Like, that's
0: it. I found a great article on me com, which was about this special. I think I saw the same one, yeah. But it starts with, and I quote... Um, If any art form truly encapsulates the entirety of 70s culture, it is the Variety Show. After all, the Variety Show was not an art form. It was all art forms. A Variety Show packed sketch comedy, dance choreography, guest celebrities, and concert performances into one anything-goes shows. A Variety Show is Broadway meets Solid Gold meets Saturday Night Live meets Saturday Morning. The things spread like a fly collar across the television landscape faster than you could say the Glen Campbell good time hour. Sonny and Cher, Donnie and Marie, Captain and Neil, Tony Orlando and Dawn, the Brady Bunch, Starland Vocal Band, Hee Haw, Sha Na. -na. It was hard to go a night without a variety show hosted by some groovy hot act. And those were merely the series. That doesn't count the specials.
1: It doesn't count the specials. Specials which include... Uh, holiday specials usually christmas themed but they eventually they would loop out into whatever else john denver sonny and Cher, dean Martin, Bean crosby the honeymooners who in the picture are pretty much uh, spooky scary skeletons <laughs> <laughs> cuz of the 70s man they're right, like right, old right. as time even motherfucking benji had what? a goddamn holiday Has special
0: how does a dog host a show
1: oh same way fucking Paul Lynn did i guess lots <laughs> of cocaine lots
0: of cocaine <laughs> um, so yeah so that's what that's what's going on variety cocaine <laughs> what
1: cocaine
0: cocaine there you
1: go thanks Bye, everybody got there. okay um so that was for the other person <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's that's variety shows in 1976 that's the landscape this now I watch it and I'm like, what is this? But at the time you would have been like, oh, another one of these. They
1: did I'm like, again, like every year they just prop up some star. And it was also a way, at least uh, with Paul Lind and I'm sure a lot of these people, to settle contracts that didn't quite work out. Paul Ooh. Lind did this special. Did this special? It might have been, I'm sorry, it might have been an earlier special. Um, as... Uh, a fulfillment of his bewitched contract. He was, he was contracted for as many seasons as would take bewitched into season nine. There was no season nine. So they're like to fulfill your contract. We're going to give you a comedy oh, special.
0: Interesting. Yeah. And I'm assuming. I don't know if it was this one. Cause I didn't read that. Anything I read about this special, but he does mention he's done them before. So maybe it was an I, earlier I one. I think
1: it was the, the, the previous year, November 6th, 1975, the Paul Lind comedy hour might've been okay. that special.
0: Um, so in case you don't know who Paul Lind is, which is this is a crucial thing to know because a lot of the jokes center around you having an idea who Paul Lind is right. in 1976. So... Um, Paul Lind is a Hollywood actor, a Broadway star, best known for being the frequent center tile panelist on Hollywood Squares between 1968 and
1: 1981. So he was on Hollywood Squares a ton. Do you know, did you read this in his Wikipedia entry that he used the money from being on Hollywood Squares? to buy Errol Flynn's mansion.
0: I did read that, yes. That's
1: fucking stupid. And you know what I
0: immediately thought? Let's go, Andy. Let's go find it.
1: We're going to go find Errol Flynn's yeah, mansion? of
0: course we are. Oh, I
1: thought you were going to say, let's go be on Hollywood Squares, which we could probably do <laughs> we with our off. Hollywood clout. <laughs> We'd be, we're just enough, we've got just enough clout to be on Hollywood Squares, you and I.
0: So Paul and. Lind- is not a name you would recognize, but I think you would recognize, most people would recognize his face and you would definitely recognize his voice. For sure. If only because so many characters that have been done for animated things Mm -hmm. have mimicked that voice because it's so specific. I would like to play for you a short audio clip now so that you will, this is from the special, so that you can hear Paul Lind and I think that you will understand who this person is.
1: Yeah.
2: Well, here I am again, ABC's answer to (laughs) trick-or-treat. It's been a year since my uh, last special. Was it something I said?
1: Yeah, so like a happier, gay-er Vincent Price.
0: Yeah, he is the inspiration for the alien on um, American Dad. Yeah, And... As soon as I read that, I was like, "Oh yeah, hundred percent." Not just the inspiration; like he just straight up is it's the just, father of that. It's a alien. rip off. Which is yeah. it's
1: a delight. I, I'm I like American Dad just fine, but they've taken that character and was like, "What if Paul Lind was a human being walking around today, and did not have to measure his his jokes? Yeah, didn't have to make sure he doesn't go over the line." Right. Uh, which is something that, sadly, Paul Lind had to do in the 70s. Yeah, so
0: Paul Lind regularly, uh, per Wikipedia, regularly topped audience polls of most-liked TV stars.
1: Doesn't seem like a top to me. <laughs> oh. High five. I watch a lot of drag race, y'all. Uh, it's all I know. Wow. Go ahead.
0: Was routinely admired and recognized by his peers during his lifetime, Mel Brooks once described Lind as being a, being capable of getting laughs by reading a phone book, tornado alert, or seed catalog. <laughs> And Lind once said that while he would rather be recognized as a serious actor, we live in a world that needs laughter, and I've decided if I can make people laugh, I'm making an important contribution. So his homosexuality was an open secret in Hollywood at a time when there were no out gay celebrities, but he was a person like Liberace, who everyone kind of understood. There was this tacit understanding that this was a homosexual man. Mm -hmm. He made no bones about it, but he also was never explicit about it and none of the right. media coverage around him was explicit about it. Um,
1: and that wasn't a time when, when people would pry into the lives of lesser celebrities like Paul Lynch. Right.
0: So it, a lot of these jokes center around sort of not necessarily in this special, but a lot of times when you see him, especially in Hollywood squares, he himself is the butt of a joke and it's kind of a winky sort of like, Everyone knows I'm gay, but I can't say that.
1: Exactly. Um, it's it's a kind of humor that is still prevalent today, which is, I'm going to say just enough that if you're homophobic, you can continue to pretend that I'm just a little weird. Right. And eccentric and a confirmed bachelor. You can use all of these terms bachelor. instead of confronting the fact that homosexuals exist in the world. Yes. And I can continue having a 70s career. Yes. A poet.
0: Um, so the ordinary world of this variety special is supposed to be Paul Lynn's ordinary home life as himself, <laughs> yes. this
1: Hollywood Which, actor. Hey, maybe. Maybe he just cohorts with witches and things like that. Sounds like a pretty badass life it to me. It does sound
0: pretty great. So we are at his we're on a soundstage. There's a live audience, although it does not seem like this what is done live, but there is a live audience that, you know, I'm assuming was there like all day as they filmed this hour-long oh, special.
1: Oh, I think it's just canned laughter. Oh, you do? Oh, I got to imagine. Oh. Yeah. How
0: eerie that all this was happening for no one, though.
1: It, there's enough cuts in this. and And visual continuity problems. Like... At the end of the first number, he gets in the trash can which blows up, and there's yes. a couple cuts there. But like the last, laugh- well, that's
0: what I'm saying. Like it couldn't have been live. There's also like people flying in and flying out. Oh, sure,
1: but I'm saying like the laughter goes over both of the cuts.
0: Oh, I see. Okay,
1: uh, so it, and the applause and stuff well, like that. The I first mean-
0: piece of magic has been ruined for me. Spoil <laughs> oh, in
1: boy. that <laughs> case. I want to fucking strap in? Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm assuming so. There might have been a live audience at that time, but I'm the all of the the laughter sounds like placed and ginned up and stuff like sure. that. Sure.
0: Okay. So in the ordinary world of Paul Lin's home life in 1976, um, he has this dower. <laughs> I house- really
1: like your take <laughs> on this, which is like they just started rolling the camera on a normal yes. day.
0: Um, he has this dour housekeeper of 15 years named Margaret. Uh, and he hates Halloween, so yep. he he's decorating his home, and he starts to sing about in turn Christmas, and then Easter, and then Valentine's Day, and each time he starts to sing, Margaret comes in and says it's not any of those holidays we go, and eventually is like we go through this every year, you know perfectly well what holiday it is, and he finally has to admit it's Halloween, and he breaks the fourth wall, and looks at the audience and goes Happy Halloween, everybody whoopee because the joke is that he hates Halloween he hates Halloween he's real Ebenezer Scrooge about Halloween
1: yeah it's <sighs> It's fine. I get it. And the first number that he does is a take on the song that he did in Bye Bye Birdie called Kids, which is kids. What's the matter with kids today? Except this is like a tongue in cheek like kids. They're great. Right, everybody. Well,
0: before we get there, he comes out in an orange suit over an orange sweater. Oh,
1: I've forgotten the monologue. And does an opening
0: monologue for us. Yeah. Most of it is self-deprecating to the max. There are a few cute jokes. Um, my favorite was, Halloween is my favorite holiday. What other day can a cute little kid go out and carve up a pumpkin and my sports car at the same time?
1: Okay. Are you okay, people, in 1976? Because <laughs> everything they're saying about what kids are up to makes Horrible. it sound like fucking Mad it Max times. It sounds like they're,
0: they go around. On, I mean, this isn't the lyrics of the song, but it sounds like they go around lighting yards on That's fire. That's the thing
1: that I have here. They burn my lawn up is one of the lyrics. I'm like. What? what? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no. I, I, he doesn't
0: mention. Do you, like, they teepee my house. Nothing. No, it's no, not. No, like, they're breaking uh, shit. They're keying cars. They're yeah. setting lawns
1: on fire. Da- stab at people. <laughs>
0: what is happening?
1: Hide your Paul Lind. Hide and, your and Margaret you Hamilton. To, what, hide your <laughs> pinky Tuscadero because these kids are out there.
0: <laughs> you got to also assume he lives in, like, Beverly Hills. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> 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 fucking bling ring kids. Fucking. Setting his shit on fire and escaping in their Teslas? (laughs) Or their Porsche Cayennes?
0: They were all driving Porsche Cayennes, officer.
1: (laughs) That doesn't narrow it down. It could be any child or white woman in Beverly Hills. Oh, God.
0: He also makes a ton of jokes in this monologue at his own expense about being a fat oh, kid. Oh, let's
1: slow it down and talk about this bit.
0: Yeah, this was a well-known part Ugh. of his comedy. I think he even got some... Like, at some point, he got some award, was a spokesperson for Weight Watchers or something. Yeah, Weight
1: Watchers honored him. In, in, according to Wikipedia, he put on a lot of weight or later on in his life and lost it, and then Weight Watchers was like, way to go. This is just... I, I, I was watching this, and I think it's... What we run into with Paul Lind is a problem with his comedy in that he can't go very far with it. Right. He has to talk about things that are personal to him, but do not hint at his personal life, which is very challenging. So it's a lot of, um, making fun of people, making fun of himself. The end.
0: Yeah. Sample jokes from this part of the monologue include when you're shaped like a pumpkin, it was easy to love Halloween. And, Mm -hmm. My mom gave me the shower curtain. It didn't fit. So she let it out and I went as the Hindenburg. It was a disaster. It was a
1: disaster. <laughs> you no. know, Paul Lind is pretty much just if you slowed down uh, Fred... Bum- Flintstone. Nope. Try again. Uh, hey. Armisen. Uh, B-52s. Schneider. If you slow down Fred Schneider or you find Fred Schneider on a particularly bummed out kind of day, he's Paul Lind. No... 10 roof rusted.
0: <laughs> oh my god, you're so <laughs> See, right. see, I found it. Crack the formula.
1: Great. Yeah, this whole, all these bits about being fat are not great. They're not great jokes.
0: No, and there are six writers on this special, not including Paul himself, and it's very cringe to me to think of six grown men because, yes, they're all men, sitting around coming up with devastating burns for a little fat kid yeah, who's, like, not around to defend Uh, himself.
1: To be fair, like, a bunch of writers probably, like, just pulling on jokes they heard about themselves.
0: Oh, my God. Well, anyway, then it's time for the song, and uh, the the gazenta is this. He says, this year he's gonna be nice to every kid who comes to his door, and Margaret emphasizes the how Housekeeper, sweet as a bowl of cherries, and then he goes into this parody version of "Kids" from right. "Bye Bye Birdie," and all the lyrics are—they start to—they're supposed to be about how much he loves these trick or treaters. It's very tongue in cheek because, like, his his words say "I love kids," and his his delivery of the lyrics say "I hate kids." Yeah. So, was there's he, a lot of irony. He the original
2: guy in "Bye Bye Birdie"? Yeah, Yeah,
0: and that's arguably the most famous song from that musical. Um, Kids became sort of a standalone song, and he sang it. It was his signature thing. He sang it a lot.
1: Right. Um, Uh, There is... Okay, so... There's a line, too
0: much Alice Cooper, not enough Alice Faye.
1: Not enough Alice Faye. It's just like the gayest line in anything ever. It's perfect. Yeah, yeah. Tell
0: me you're a gay man in 1976 without telling me you're a gay man in 1976. (laughs) I I know
1: who Alice Faye is.
0: (laughs) And I'm angry that the kids are more into Alice Cooper
1: <laughs> um, than screen also, starlet
0: Alice Faye.
1: It also rhymes something. So Something about cool fawns is in there as well. Yes. Nonsense. So then uh, very soon, uh, as the lyrics begin to indicate as such, Paul is menaced by singing kids. Yes. Or dancing kids. Dancing
0: kids dressed as devils and scary clowns. Um and they start to torment him. They put him in a trash can. This is
1: this is when I'm sorry to interrupt. This is when they, they the line is they burn your lawn.
0: Yeah. And
1: I was like, is that why old people are like, get off my lawn? Is yeah, it don't a, set it is on it fire. A, just a genuine, please. Like in
0: please, that case, I agree.
1: Get off my lawn. Don't
0: be burning lawns. Because
1: It's only a matter of time before you burn my fucking burn my <laughs> lawn. What <laughs> kind of world was this?
0: Like, are they just setting it on fire? Are they burning words into it?
1: Like, like are they? Do, do, do you need some sort of? You need like gasoline. Yeah, or something, you'd have to. That's you? what
0: I'm wondering. Like, if you spell something in gasoline and then you light it on fire, you
1: know it's also really close to lawns, houses. <laughs> <laughs> you know what hates fire? Houses. <laughs> oh my god! In in Los Angeles. Oh uh, boy! Oh boy! <laughs> That's why, that's why. they had the great. We are LA one fire.
0: fire away from going up as a city. Just going no, well, up. Well, Chelsea
1: nowadays, these kids do a gender reveal parties on the laws. Oh, God. Uh, the laws yes. are, because, it's humor. So, um, yes. Yeah, so then it
0: turns out the ringleaders.
1: The ringleaders
0: of this turn out to be Donnie and Marie Osmond. They are the kids, the titular kids of 1976.
1: show up like fucking specters at the feast. They give each (laughs)
0: other a fist bump and then they leave.
1: They're gone, that's it. They
0: don't have a line.
1: I think that's as good as you could get with Donnie Marie at the height of their power in 1976. Yeah, the height of their power.
0: They're referred to a couple more times, but we don't see them again in this special. Um, So this just reinforces this whole thing and being stuffed in a trash can. Trash can then then explodes Just reinforces Paul's earlier stance That he hates Halloween And so Margaret, his housekeeper Offers to take him away from the kids And all this Halloween stress To a place um, where her sister lives It's very relaxing It's like a big house with a stream next to it Whatever. And he says, uh, okay She's like, we'll go where no kids will ever find you so the next time we see them, they're in a car, and he's complaining about her driving. Oh,
1: you better go prune a tree.
0: Um, they're oh. going
1: to Margaret's sister's house, and she assures uh, Paul-Lynn that they've packed all of the things, including, Paul-Lynn says, my Dr. Dentons, which I had to look up. I didn't bother. It's fine. Uh, you know those pajamas that are like whole body pajamas that huh. have the butt flaps? The brand name, the most popular brand name of those is Dr. Dentons. Cute. Which is not. Thank a God
0: real... we won't actually see those.
1: No, it's not a real doctor. That no. was just the guy who invented him's last name was Denton, and then, like, well, let's put a doctor in front of it, make it sound official.
0: I mean, was Dr. Martin a doctor? Was Dr. Scholes a doctor?
1: Wait, who's Dr. Martin? Doc Martin's. Oh, I, I assume that it was just a fun nickname for him. <laughs> oh, no, they're Dr. Martins. Yeah. I might have been a doctor. I don't know. So might have Dr. Scholls. These are bad someone, examples. Someone, I think these are all real doctors. <laughs>
0: someone find out how many of the doctors. What about Pepper? How many of them were real I doctors? I actually know the
1: story about Dr. Pepper, and I'll tell you right now. So Dr. Pepper was named after a pharmacist in Texas. <laughs> invented and named by the pharmacist's assistant who thought that naming a soda after this pharmacist would uh, impress him so much that he would let uh, this assistant date his daughter. Aww! Didn't work out. <laughs> but now we have Dr. Pepper!
0: Hey, I love Dr. Pepper. It is king among sodas as far as I'm concerned. Truly,
1: truly. It's, it's, and it's earned its four-year degree in <laughs> soda <laughs> <Yes>. sciences. <laughs> I didn't go
0: to medical, t- Coke medical school. For seven years to be called Mr. Pepper,
1: yeah, that's right.
0: Um. Anyway,
1: so Lyndon Pepper. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Lyndon Pepper. <laughs> let come to my He's car definitely, dealership.
0: Definitely a rancher. Oh, car dealership's good too. Either way. So. We're driving up to the house and then we we see it and it is like a stereotypical kind of crumbling Transylvanian castle. Uh you know, obviously it's just footage from somewhere that sure. they've inner intercut here, and um they get out of the car and he kind of blanches, he thinks it looks scary, and then a vulture named Rover greets them at the door. Uh and by then
1: barking. by barking. By barking. This place is called Gloomsbury Manor. Yeah. The vulture barking fucking gets a lot of canned laughter from that yeah. canned audience. And I'm like, who could who could care? <laughs> this is the <laughs> lamest shit. Imagine. All right. So you and I have, have been who attempting. Could t- care? Who could fucking care? <laughs> Listen to me. I, this is a valid point. Imagine that you are a sitting vulture. in a. Oh. Yeah, well, please. I. You know what? For a diversity hire, you are a vulture <laughs> who's been hired to write on the Paul Lent because that's what we need, vulture representation. Yep. Um, uh, that's what people are always carrying on about. Oh,
0: my God. So, that's yeah, Miles the, approves. That's the right kind of
1: vulture Miles joke. Miles approves, by which I mean I should really rethink Rethink things. everything, <laughs> yes. So, imagine you're a writer <laughs> in a room, vulture... <laughs>
2: I went from nodding my head yes to shaking my head no.
1: Now I'm on the right track. Wow, that was a burn. No. (laughs) No, no. I don't like it. That was a bird burn. Uh, So imagine you're a writer in this room and you're like, finally. By the uh, the
2: way, I'm the other 50% of your subscribers. (laughs) (laughs) So.
1: It's you and Sergio who's still like. He's
0: not laughing at all. (laughs) No.
1: (laughs) He barely laughed at his own joke earlier. Oh really shit! Just disappointed we as the rest of us. Just stop now. <laughs> just release it now, like this much. <laughs> Chelsea, why stop now when we've barely started, <laughs> and we'll continue to barely start throughout the whole thing? <laughs> My point is, you're a writer writing for a ABC network back when there were only three, three channels. Networks. Yes. And you're like, this is gonna be on primetime television, guys. I have the ultimate bit. They get to the house. There's a vulture. Oh, that's good. Vultures are spooky. No, no, no. He barks. <laughs> Uh, all right, everybody, we're going to shut down for the day so we can all laugh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just laugh. Do
0: we do that one time? No, we're going to do that seven times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Yes, yeah, seven times makes it seven times funnier. It's a
1: fucking monsters gag, man. <laughs> it's a
0: monsters gag. You're it's right. A
1: hundred, they have another monsters gag later where it's like, put out the cat, and it's a fucking jungle yeah, cat. Bow, yeah. watch out. Mm-hmm. It was our first thought. We didn't think again.
0: Nope. So the sister who answers the door at Gloomsbury Manor is... Wilhelmina Witchy Pooh from the children's show HR Puffin Stuff, which was a live action, life size puppet show that premiered in 1969.
1: Y'all ever watch that Sid and Marty Croft shit?
0: Um, I definitely have seen it.
1: Yeah, that is a uh, kids' show. <laughs> <laughs> it's for people who are stoned,
0: like Captain Kangaroo. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Like it's a lot like, of like seventy like, shit. If you have
0: kids but you do drugs and yeah. you need something to entertain the both of you at
1: oh all. And, and and Sid and Martycroft was perfect for that. I remember watching uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, this is gonna make it sound like I remember when I was three years old getting stoned uh, and I'd watch Land of the <laughs> Lost. No, it was it was perfect for me Love at three Land of years the old. Lost. Yeah, seriously. It's okay. goofy nonsense.
0: They've hired a bunch of Sid and Marty Croft people for this show, but yeah. this this variety of specials, is not affiliates not a Sid Mardicroft joint. No. Um the inside of the set of Gloomsbury Manor is, and I'm saying this unironically, perfection.
1: It's it's really well designed. The
0: set designers deserve an Emmy for this place. For sure. I would love to attend a Murder Mystery dinner party in this set. Yeah. It is amazing. There are little lights around. There are like little details that you know that that were just to, to do a good job. And they were like, there's not going to be a close up on this. There's, you know, we're never going to focus on this. But I think that this bookshelf should look like this because I, I take
1: pride in my work. It is well appointed in this room. And when they change the room for various bits it's it's also equally well done. I mean, as well done as the bits can provide, but it's just like when they hang lights in this place. Yeah. It's like everything is really amazing. Yeah. Uh, that is the only good part about this The set this design
0: is top notch. Yeah. They clearly blew the budget on the best set designer in Hollywood at the time.
1: So here's what happens next. Uh, poo, who gets a special mention... Uh, in a voiceover of the credits that yep. says, by the way, witchy poos from HR Puffin stuff, yep. which has enough clout that she has to get a special <laughs> fucking mention. This fucking LSD burnout. She's the di- <laughs> dying Marie crop. of witches at this point in Watch HR Puffin stuff or LSD <laughs> and me. Uh, yeah. The, the Mr. Show, the comedy show with Bob Odenkirk and David yeah. Cross did a parody of this called the altered state of drug Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which has the mayor of Drugachusetts. The whole episode is about them ordering a pizza and how paranoid they are about it. <laughs> and they get pizza and the mayor goes, as mayor of Drugachusetts, I declare this pizza to be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. But also the originals are worth uh, watching. H.R. Puff and stuff, Land of the Lost, uh, Sigrid and the Sea Monsters? That sounds right. Sigmund and the Sea Monsters. All great stuff. The next thing that happens is Pauline goes, Margaret, your sister is a witch. And then fucking Margaret Hamilton is dressed in her Wicked Witch of the West costume from the motherfucking Wizard, Wizard of Oz. Oz.
0: Complete with iconic laughs. She does the Wizard of she Oz cackle. She She's this doing is the point, This is the point where I'm watching this in another room and Miles hears the laugh and slides in. Like Tom Cruise in Risky <laughs> Business. And he's like, hey, she's really good at that impression. And I was like, it's the same actor. Yeah. And I I know because I've read this somewhere before, that Margaret Hamilton was almost never recognized out by people, even though I didn't recognize everyone her. has seen The Wizard of Oz, even sure. at the time where there were only three TV networks, it aired on TV several times a year. Oh sure. And so Everyone in America had seen that movie multiple times, but she was almost never recognized because the makeup is so sure. specific and the prosthetics and the costume and everything.
1: And even as her her alter ego in The Wizard of Oz, Miss Gulch, mm-hmm. I believe she's in like a updo and fucking eyeglasses and stuff like that. She wouldn't recognize her from that yeah. either. I, d- I did not recognize her at all until she put on that makeup and I was like yep. of course it's been her the whole time and
0: I truly believe that the uh, the audience would not have recognized her either you no, know no, no, no. So, uh, but that
2: laugh is it's, so iconic yeah it
0: it's just yeah.
1: Yeah. It's, yeah I mean it's just it, it's bonkers to see it was a it was a genuine delight to yeah, be like it was, oh my god that's her, her it's West. been her the
0: whole time yeah. and I wrote an, a note which is sad now the studio audience is loving this <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know what Chelsea let's just go ahead and hmm. Halloween-style believe that there's a studio audience.
0: I believe in Halloween studio audiences. And Paul says, I'm getting out of here. But they tell he... him there's nothing to be frightened of.
1: This is a this is a very specific 70s joke, which I think was born somewhere on the vaudeville stage and perspe- er, per- perfected in Scooby-Doo. The <laughs> I'm getting out of here bits. Yeah. Which in this... <laughs> In this instance, it's always the, I uh, think I left my phone off the hook. Ooh. Yeah. In this case, Paul Lynn says, I just but I left my jacuzzi on fast, fast forward. forward, which I've written here. <laughs> Miles it's, loves it. Well, that, that confirms my note here. This is simply not a joke. <laughs> I'm so Sorry. It did not meet the credentials to be a joke. It (laughs) tried its best. It did not qualify. It did not complete the qualifying lap to be a joke. Jacuzzi and fast forward. Sorry, not this.
0: Yeah, red nope. flag. At the very least
2: he could have tried to find somebody to validate his parking.
1: Yeah, come on. He,
0: no, at that moment he did say that the cabbie couldn't make change for a twenty, and that's, that's, that's why he couldn't. Good so too. that's pretty cl-
1: pretty close. That that harkens back to a time where cabs <laughs> could cost anything less than twenty dollars. Yeah.
0: So we are eleven and a half minutes into a fifty-one minute <laughs> special, and we finally get the call to adventure. <laughs>
1: And let's not forget this meeting with the mentor when he runs outside and the vulture barks at him again.
0: (laughs) The vulture is the mentor. There's no fucking mentor in this business. So Paul is there with these two witches in their full witch regalia now. Margaret has revealed the long con of the last 15 years of being his housekeeper was just to get him to Gloomsbury Manor. <laughs> just been fucking cleaning his house 15 years. Just my
1: fucking time until <laughs> I can invite you over to my sister's house. Yep. What a ridiculous yep. bunch. are you a witch? <laughs> you didn't have this much patience for Dorothy. You were like, surrender. You wrote it in the right, sky. Right,
2: right.
0: So Witchy Poo and the Wicked Witch of the West say they have brought Paul here to help them soften the image of witches. We've had some bad press. They basically want him to be... The they lovable celebrity spokeshuman, so witches can clean up their reputation. And Chelsea thinks, mm-hmm. wow, that's not a bad premise for a variety special. Took us a beat to get here, but I like this setup. Well done. That is the last time I will thank that for the next 40 minutes. Yeah, because
1: they won't refer to it again until near the end when they're like, whoops.
0: No, they forget about it they forget about yeah yeah 100% it entirely it goes
1: it goes up in so much of the powdery cocaine yes. residue
0: <laughs> so much dry dry uh, dry ice yeah it has nothing to do with what follows but it would be a good premise the idea of like let's show people how witches are fun do we, not, don't do no, we don't do that we don't do that we don't have though. time
1: for that we have to really showcase pinky tuscadero
0: i feel like i need to just call out that this call to adventure is going to mean nothing. So you like me, don't spend the rest of this episode waiting for just, something to happen. Oh,
1: Chelsea, I, my instincts were much better than that. I yeah. was like, wow, that's what you're hanging your premise on. Goodbye yeah. premise.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Goodbye. Paul, Paul wants no part of this the refusal of the call. He doesn't want to be a spokeshuman. He tries to escape. He says, I don't do benefits. He tries to escape.
1: I love, I love our Pauline depressions. <laughs> They're exactly right, but not correct at all. It's fantastic. <laughs> Somewhere, Paul Lind is rolling around in it's his not, sequined grave.
0: I feel like I'm towing a line. I am not doing like a stereotype of an effeminate. Um, closeted 1976 gay man. I'm however, specifically doing a Paul Lind impression. Yes.
1: Here's the problem, though. Paul Lind <laughs> is a stereotypical <laughs> closeted 70s homosexual. So when but you are But it's a chicken doing... and egg.
0: Is it Paul? Did Paul Lind come first? or Did that stereotype come it's first to based say. on Paul Lind? It's
1: tough to say. You
0: there
2: don't... also seems to be a little bit of a southern... Yes. Uh, oh, 100%. There is. There uh, definitely twin, is... is... Yeah, you can't, you can't uh, but, ignore that.
0: But I don't think... Yeah. Hold on. Uh, I don't want to talk before I speak. I do not think he's Southern. I think that was a thing that I looked up.
1: Saying, saying I don't want to talk before I speak is Southern.
0: Paul Lind does, does have that very specific sort of Southern inflection. The man is from Ohio.
1: <laughs> yeah. So yeah. that's, a, that's a like an affectation.
0: Well, the whole yeah. thing
1: must be like so many... It either must be some character that's been, you know... Like Roger is a, a character... Uh, that when you tell people is based on Paul Lynn, they might not know. Like Paul Lynn right. might be based on something somewhere that we but just he don't But he
0: was never anything other than this. Like yeah. he never did King Lear. He was this sure. person in Bewitched. He was this person on Hollywood Squares. But, he was but, this person in Bye Bye Birdie. Yeah,
1: but this is a very specific kind of uh, Hollywood star that we don't have anymore. Boy, it's hard to say Hollywood star about Paul Lynn's, but it's true. It's true. Like you, you, you're Ruth Buzzy. You, Gilbert Gottfried. Uh, people who are like, I have this voice, and I'm going to do this voice, and then people will just assume this is how I talk all the time, but it's not. Yeah. It's like Janice I'm, from Friends. Yeah, 100. percent Fran Drescher made Fran a Drescher. whole
0: Bobcat, uh, gold weight. Yeah. Sure, yeah. absolutely.
1: These people who you know, it's like that was enough. It's yeah. like the 70s and 80s. You could just have like a catchphrase, and you'd be a
0: millionaire. Did I do that?
2: Whoa.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was quite a journey to Hey That's cool Passes
0: muster. So again Refusal of the call And then uh, Paul's like I don't want any part of this But there are monsters outside And the, the cab bit whatever And then a butler enters with a tray of foggy drinks And Paul says no thanks I don't smoke Fine joke that's fine yeah. Follows it up with it stunts your growth Which is a cheap shot at yes. the fact that the actor Playing the butler is Billy Barty Famous character actor who was also a little person and, in fact, founded the Little People of America in Fantastic. 1957. His IMDb page is an endless scroll. Sure. He was in so many TV shows and movies, he did a lot of voiceover. I mean, it's just like pages and pages You and pages. know,
1: You know this guy. You've seen him in at least one or two things or heard his voice. And I would be willing to hope that the additional materials by credit is... Billy Barty being like, if you're going to make these jokes, let me do them.
0: I mean, that's it sucks, but I guess that's better.
1: That's the only hope I have. I I doubt it. Every time he's on
0: screen, there are two jokes about his height. Yeah. Every single time we see him, someone, usually Paul Lind, makes two jokes about his height, and then he exits.
1: But again, this is the 70s where you could just let people make fun of your physical uh, uh, differences. Differences. And make a career out of it. That's yep. how fat comedians did it. That's how Paul Lind is doing it. It's
0: like, it. A, like whole... a P.T. Barnum kind of a situation where it's, it's like, yeah. you're going to make fun of me about this. I might as well make money off or of it. Fatty
1: Arbuckle, yeah. who self-ascribed the name Fatty to yep. himself. Uh, it's 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 fine and it it has a similar feel. And this is something... that. Chelsea has researched a lot and we've had conversations about it. It has a a freak show quality to it where it's like if I am going to exist in a society that does not support or identify me and it causes me suffering because of that, I can exploit this and at least have a comfortable life.
0: I'm going to take this thing that would be a liability outside of the world of entertainment at this point in time and I'm going to make it. Entertaining. Yeah. I'll so at least I can make money off of it and I can live comfortably. Allow
1: myself to be exploited because that's the only avenue of, of fame and fortune that I can possibly yeah. find.
0: You can make the same case about some modern reality television, but you, that's can, make another the, you
1: can make the same case about a lot of Hollywood stars these days. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not anything that's gone away. It's just, it's so. Clear yep. here that Paul Lind is a gay man who must never say or identify the fact that he's gay, and yep. the the dissonance and the incongruity, according to everything that I read, caused him a lot of personal anguish. I'm sure of it course did. Would. I mean,
0: it would cause anybody anguish if you can't be who you truly are. Sure. Um, so to seal the deal of this spokesperson <sighs> yep. gig, um, the witches decide to sweeten the pot by seducing Paul with a pretty girl because that. <laughs>
1: Historically, Well, Chelsea, <laughs> they'll, so well. they'll probably want to get the sexiest lady of the 1970s. Yep,
0: that would be 54-year-old Betty White. Woo! And, hey, look, I stan a 50-plus sex symbol. I'm into it, man. I gotta say. Uh-huh. Um, but so they say she won the Miss Halloween 1976 pageant, and she's like a signing bonus, I guess, for him agreeing to do this. She sort of sure. whirls in like she's a white witch. She's dressed all in white. She looks gorgeous. A um, little
1: bit Princess Leia and a little Star bit Wars-y. Princess
0: Leia, unfortunately. This
1: would be the year before, so, no, that's not uh, purpose.
0: Betty White wants none of Paul Lynde.
1: No, she has been tricked here into thinking that she's won a date with Paul Newman. Yep. Um, and she, she, she says, uh, he won't do. And Paul Lynde <laughs> says, I won't do what? Yeah. And it's like, we know Paul <laughs> we, know. we know. We, we know Paul. Do. Won't um, do that that's women. style. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, and she says, Betty White says, if you couldn't get Paul Newman, why didn't you get some other famous Paul? Paul Williams, Paul McCartney, Les Paul? Paul Mall, St. Paul, why Paul Lind? And the witches say he was available. And that MeTV article says, this is probably an inside joke with the audience about why on earth Paul Lind is hosting a Halloween special. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Because he played Uncle Arthur on Bewitched a decade before and that's like witches and something, something sure. good enough. But this sort of like, why this Paul? He was available. Seems to be kind of a meta joke about why he's hosting this special. Right. That I can respect
1: um then uh okay so i just want to make sure bewitched is on was played on abc and yet they make no reference to it whatsoever i mean there's no reason to it's not on the air right. anymore and syndication's still not quite the thing at this time anyway it would be great if at one point they made a reference to like weren't you Lin, the star of bewitched eh? didn't you play a witch on bewitched because he does he plays arthur uh, of arthur like, yeah yeah uh, they don't do it. They nope. don't bother. Can, they don't have time. We got Kiss coming up later.
2: Spoilers.
0: <sighs> Spoilers. The one the
1: thing end. I liked about this moment here is, yeah, he's available. Uh, Betty White disappears. And Paul Lynn says, that witch, res- has she had a striking resemblance to Betty White. But then again, so many witches do. It draws us back to a time Uh, which uh, IMDb pointed this out to me and it's a fascinating time where Betty White was best known at this time for playing her character in I think the Mary Tyler Moore show Mm -hmm. where she was a horrible person.
0: Oh, I wrote rude.
1: It is rude. (laughs) (laughs) We're both right, Chelsea. I was like, who
0: in this writer's room hates Betty White?
1: Well, that was her public persona for that very specific time. Was she's America's
0: sweetheart. And as a friend of the pod, Jonathan House pointed out to me, Apropos of nothing, just today, mm-hmm. in January, we'll be celebrating her hundredth birthday. Yeah.
1: What? Yes, yeah, I, I saw that recently too. American Fucking treasure, hundred percent.
0: What a you so know happy what? future Benny White's birthday to all who observe.
1: Uh, beating beating uh, B Arthur to this earth by six months. Wow.
0: <laughs> all right, and so... Estelle
1: Getty born the next year. I've Um, always
0: liked that bit of trivia.
1: I want to point this out, that as horrible as things are in this world that's now currently on fire and drowning and also just kind of shitty all the way through, where I think kids burning lawns would be kind (laughs) of (laughs) fun. It'd be a nice throwback. Nice change of pace. I do want to point out that humanity took it upon themselves uh, 10 years ago or so to just honor a nice lady. Just be like, you know who's really great? this one person can we all show appreciation for this one person and we all did it yeah. And then we just decided, that's enough of that. Let's be awful now. Yeah. <laughs> and we never did it again.
0: We've done it a couple times more. I mean, I feel like Lavar Burton has that sort of sure. level. No, you're right. Of, like, heartwarming. Bill Nye as well. Bar- oh, yeah.
1: recently, the, the, the Steve from Blue's Clues.
0: Yes. Oh, my God. We, that
1: we do that. It's really. Us. I feel like Betty White might have been maybe the first time we did that. Yeah,
0: yeah I think you're right. It's just kind of a nice thing. Yeah, it's like a big nostalgia hug, and everybody's like, this person is not problematic yet. And... <laughs> (laughs) Only conjures good memories as a truly for us as a sort of like a collective consciousness.
1: Well it's it's a it's one of the the few uses of the internet information age where we're doing a nice thing. Yeah. It's usually like let's send the SWAT team to this person's house or let me order something.
0: Or accuse the a person had nothing to do with it of a murder and destroy their life and they never apologize.
1: Hey, finally me, a weird creep, can finally sell dragon dildos online.
0: (laughs) I feel like that's the least that's the least problematic of all of these things like if someone's buying a dragon dildo online they let me, they let me finish let me
1: finish and then I'm gonna go burn somebody's lawn oh, that guy kids? was a lawn burner the whole time
0: <laughs> to dragon okay follows um. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so they offer Paul Lind three wishes in exchange for boosting their image
0: oh I'm sorry are you gonna skip the most problematic joke in this entire fucking thing that actually doesn't make any sense the witches are like oh. hey Paul be our spokes and he says how this for a slogan. Take a witch to a lynch oh, this week.
1: I've forgotten it. I blocked it out of my mind.
0: And I was like, oh, is that because his last name is Nope. His last name and is Lind. So I know that the Salem witch trials were in 19, 1693 but still too soon. Lynching well, jokes. Like, what the fuck is that? Okay,
1: let's go ahead. I'm gonna, I'm gonna segue to go us into mm-hmm. uh, this discussion by... We're gonna start out super funny and then it's gonna go real south real fast so hang out both of you yeah. uh, and <laughs> Miles. Uh, let's talk about all of the specials that, that Paul Lind did because okay. there's a list of these these right. comedy specials. This is the second one of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of them. We have the Paul Lind Comedy Hour, Great. Paul Lind Halloween special, yep. the Paul Lind Comedy Hour in 77, okay. Twas sure. the Night Before Christmas in 1977, mm-hmm. which is a Christmas special, sure. the Paul Lind Comedy Hour in 78. Paul Lind at the movies in 79, and then uh, May 20th, 1979, uh, Paul Lind goes mad with Marie Osmond, Charo, and Vicky Lawrence. Charo. Excuse me. I think I've done that twice now, and I know better. Charo uh, and Vicky Lawrence. Uh, Lind was a regular guest on the variety show Donnie Marie between 1976 and 78 until he lost his guest starring role due to very public drunken arguments with police officers. Yeah, One of which went a little bit worse than the rest of them, I guess. So Paul Lind was uh, an alcoholic uh, and drug user who cleaned up in 1980, Uh, never was sober for the rest of his life, which was only a few years after that, Uh, passed away when he was 55. Unfortunately... What was this, 79?
0: When he was in the parade, you mean?
1: The the incident. Yes. Uh, Paul It uh, was drunk and, uh, according to himself, uh, inebriated and tired and was at a restaurant, a diner that refused to serve him, and he started shouting racial slurs at uh, a chef.
0: Oh, the, I was thinking of something else. He, oh, there In 1977... More? Oh, boy. He, um, he was at his alma mater, Northwestern University, and he was the Grand Marshal for the Homecoming Parade. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, this is the same This is thing. the same
1: incident, yeah. But it
0: wasn't a waiter. It was a professor. Oh, that's right. At... An Inu professor. Let's that he, take this
1: from the beginning. Can you just tell us the incident so it doesn't... Uh, we don't have to have my muddling in there. Oh, uh, okay. Mis- my misunderstanding.
0: Yeah, so... And this is according to Wikipedia. Um, in October 1977, Lind was involved in an incident at his alma mater, Northwestern University. He was the Grand Marshal for Homecoming Parade. And uh, at a fast food restaurant after the parade near campus, he made racist remarks and gestures to an African-American Inu professor named James P. Pitts. Later blamed his behavior on fatigue and inebriation. Yeah,
1: but don't worry, everybody. They only let him have four more specials after that.
0: Right. Um, he also, as, as you mentioned, would get into altercations with police when yeah. he was drunk. Um, and uh, all of this led to, in 1980, he decided to get his life back on track, and then he became sober, stopped using drugs, and uh, was sober the rest of his life. Right.
1: So, yes, Paul Lynn's would definitely be canceled in today's culture uh, as it is. We relegate him to a lot of 70s people who were like, "Okay, he's that was shitty."
0: Yeah, it's it's weird because it's sort of like, well, obviously obviously he had a lot of Um, implicit bias. Sure. He clearly, he was a public figure. He lived in Hollywood, which was more diverse than your average small town in America in the 70s. He probably interacted with, if not thought he had friendships with black people. Sure. And then he's drunk at a fast food diner after a parade and gets annoyed for some reason and immediately switches into racist mode. Sure. And part of me, as a white person, is kind of like, is that not every white person in 1970 something? You yeah. know, it just—I uh, know how that sounds. I'm not making excuses for I don't him. Think there's not
1: excuses to be made, but what do you do with this knowledge? Yep. What do you do? We not does does Paul Lin's struggle as what he becomes is? Uh, I'm sorry, what Paul Lin has become today is part of sort of the LGBTQ uh, A plus lexicon. He is a reference to a very specific time in culture and cultural references are currency in in a lot of LGBTQA plus societies, uh, cultures. Um, So what do you do? Do you just like, do we have to cancel Paul in outright? Isn't his struggle as somebody being subversive uh, in mainstream culture still important? Is there a way to separate, not in the same way that we, we look at people like Bill Cosby and try to separate their art from the artist, but can't, but what is, what is the best course of action with dealing with Paul Lind in this instant in his life? I mean, I don't, I don't know what the answer to that is. I don't know what the answer is
0: either, and we I think we can separate this special from that incident just because the incident happened after this special. Sure. And we're also so, making
1: fun of this. We're not like telling you that this is, you know, Oh, this is all indicates what a, a gracious and sensitive human being he was. Right. It's not, he was a ridiculous person. Yeah. And this show is just terrible,
0: but it's also sort of like a lot of his jokes and a lot of his public persona, which is like snarky and like a person who doesn't like things is based on punching down. Yeah. Right. Is oh, based on yeah. using his power as a now thin uh, closeted white gay man to make fun of people with less power than he has sure. in his comedy. So the fact that that comes out in his everyday interactions is not entirely surprising. This
1: is 100% not why we chose this at all. In fact, I didn't, I didn't realize know about this. this. I found it no. out this morning. But it is, uh, it's the timeliness of this is a little odd. Uh, Dave Chappelle just recently mm-hmm. released his special called The Closer. Uh, which is a very difficult special to get through. Yeah, um, I don't. I I oh, recommend.
2: I'm just like, shit. I, I got I
1: got five. Here's here's my journey with it. Is I yeah. got five minutes into it and I was like, I'm not laughing and I'm not having fun and I turned it off. I, and I, then I,
2: didn't think it was, comedy. I, and I was
0: uncomfortable with his remarks about the trans community in his same. last special. Yeah. And I remember thinking at the time, like, wow, he really hates trans people. Interesting. And then I haven't watched it because immediately everything, every trans person that I follow on social media, every trans thought leader that I subscribe to was saying this h- is hurtful to our community. And I, I have to, as a person who isn't a member of that community, take them at their word. Sure. So it's I, like when black people say this is racist, I'm yeah. like, cool, then it is.
1: Yeah. And I, I do the same thing. Um, I will say that I felt bad afterwards because I was like, I only watched five minutes of it and I'm ready to talk about how shitty it was. I need to watch all of it if that's my my stance. And I I had not heard the backlash uh, before I watched it. I have a lot of respect for Dave Chappelle and the things that he does. I think this is not a great thing that he's been doing. The point that he makes in his special, because he talks a lot about his transphobic remarks and uh, uh, the backlash that he's gotten. He boils it down to this, which is I'm not, upset at trans people i'm upset at white people and i'm upset at white people who happen to be gay and when it becomes inconvenient to be a gay person switch on being white like you're you are an underserved part of the community right for sure but you have this ability to hide that and do this instead this
0: assumes the non-existence of black gay people
1: his point being like Again, this is incredibly problematic, but the thing being, his whole special is about punching down and how whatever part of a culture you belong to, if you have the privilege of being white, you're always punching down. You are always doing that in some regard.
0: Not an insignificant point. I I read Roxane Gay's... um, Uh, review um, sort of her writing about the special and she called it something like six six minutes of brilliance wrapped up in like the rest of it being incredibly hurtful and problematic. It's
1: incredibly hurtful and problematic that six minutes of brilliance. And she is a black
0: gay person, a woman.
1: Look, and it's not, uh, again, the only reason I watched the rest of it was because I felt like I had to watch all of it to judge it. I think that six six minutes of brilliance does make the special work I just don't think that I just don't know how we're supposed to receive it as an audience during a time where it's like we're not being ironically racist or homophobic anymore. We're not telling jokes that can be misconstrued in that way anymore yeah. because it is specifically the language that people who are hateful are using. Right. It's not it's a joke to you and me because we're thinking, "Wow, that's outrageous." People who hear that and believe it are like, "Yeah, exactly." He said it. So I can believe it too.
0: I mean, this is reductive, but, and a lot of people smarter than us have too. a lot of very intelligent things about this. And I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, you're tuned in enough to pop culture to have listened to it. But it's sort of like, intention is not as important as impact. That's, that's a thing that I think about a lot as a white person who has good intentions a lot, I, I think. And then you have to look at what you do and say, but if, If I am, if I can sleep at night because I think my intentions were good, but I have burned a metaphorical lawn (laughs) and caused real harm, then does it matter that I could sleep at night and I'm okay with myself? Look,
1: it is, it's, it's, it's very tangled. Uh, It's very difficult to, I would, and again, whatever you do with this special, however you choose to react to it or protest or not protest or support Dave Chappelle or not, go for it. It is muddied enough that for me, I, I just, I watched it. I'm ready to speak about it. Also, I, everybody's right. You're all yeah. right. It's very problematic and very difficult to get through. I experienced that. Yeah. It does have an important message to say in the end. Does that make up for it? Yeah, at what cost? At what cost? Anyway.
0: Anyway, Paul um.
1: so they Paul Lynch. So after Paul Lent's problematic statement, they're like, uh, we'll grant you three wishes. And his first wishes, of course. Uh, I mean, you guess at home right now, you're probably thinking he wishes to be a truck driver. And you're right. That is yep. his first wish. He wants to be a trucker. Chelsea, do you know about this bullshit fucking trucker culture boom that happened in the 70s?
0: I guess I am going to hear about it now.
1: Yeah. For whatever reason, America became obsessed with trucker, trucker culture via songs and movies. Spurred on by C.W. McCall's song, Convoy. Have you heard of Convoy? No. I, I, Go ahead.
0: I think about the gif of Carrie Brownstein from Portlandia that says, I wish this would stop and I wish it had never started. I'm yeah. paraphrasing. But basically when he's like, I'm going to be a trucker, I'm like, because they are serial killers? Like, what does this have to do with Halloween? What does it have to do with sure. witches? What does it have to do with anything? No. I'm asking all the wrong questions. You
1: were. It was just somebody wrote a song. Just and- a pop culture thing. Yeah, hundred percent. It just it just had its moments near the middle end of disco, where it was like, the you know what country western isn't isn't very popular right now. But what if we start doing songs where it's just somebody talking on a CB radio, and saying trucker slang, and the uh, trucker movies. And what if we people became very briefly obsessed with trucker culture? It is just happens to be seventy six through like seventy eight.
0: But he doesn't, like, transform into a trucker that you would think of, which is a person in jeans on a flannel shirt. No, he doesn't. He transforms into something called the rhinestone trucker, who wears a white jumpsuit open to mid-chest. Yeah,
1: don't worry. His chest is exposed, everybody.
0: White leather, bedazzled baker boy cap, white gloves, light pink wig, light pink eyebrow wigs. Yeah,
1: eyebrows. Either either his eyebrows are wigs, or those brows have been teased and hairsprayed to the limits of mad scientist and level.
0: Dyed pink. Yes! And there's a pinkish chest nest, sort of like puffing out it's, luxuriously.
1: I'm a I'm a gentleman with body hair and I was upset.
0: I wrote, What in the Elton John Fever Dream Is This? <laughs> And then he sings a song that goes, I'm called the rhinestone trucker because that is my name. These rhinestones are my trademark and trucking is my game. That's the whole song.
1: Yeah. That's it's the entire song. still too much. <laughs> <laughs> so he's a trucker named Big Red. And the whole, the whole, this whole segment consists of him driving, quote unquote, and Tim Conway, star of the uh, Carol, Burnett, Carol show, Burnett Show, and Dorf on Golf. <laughs> Speaking of problematic bullshits, uh, yes, uh, driving and communicating via CB radio. And, and
0: trying s- deliberately to cause accidents.
1: He's Yes, he murders Tim Conway's, one of Tim Conway's <laughs> many characters at one point, who's like, I'm very nervous about the dynamite I'm carrying. He's like, light a cigar. And Tim Conway's like, you know okay. what? Okay. Truck blows
0: up. Rhinestone Cowboy laughs maniacally.
1: And if you thought that was the most audacity they had, nay. They have the sheer audacity to end this sketch by by driving us like a shitty (laughs) 18-wheeler head-on into a we're-both-in-love-with-the-same-gal bit.
0: Yes. Oh, do you want to know the joke that they write, though, after Dynamite Dan uh, Uh blows up and who's hauling TNT blows up? He says... At least he went out like a real trucker, all over the road.
1: It's great. Yeah, your Paul Lind is 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 sinking into <laughs> shaky old lady, and I'm just going to warn you about it. I'm just giving you a quick warning. Uh, look, it happens to all of us. All of our Paul Linds turn into a this shaky lady. This is the lady. first and
0: hopefully last time I'll ever need to work on my Paul Lind just, impression.
1: Uh, just, just be be patient. Oh, here's another note about the trucker culture that I'm sorry I forgot to mention. <laughs> God, the reason trucker culture came. Into fashion was because in the late 70s, as a response to the uh, gas crisis, which was 76, 77, sure. something like that, the gas crisis caused uh, the government to instill a 55 mile per hour rule. That's where it started mm. during the gas crisis. And this, what will become identifiable as a uh, machismo for machismo's sake sure reaction to a lack of freedoms a booming gay culture through disco so this these trucker songs about like because convoy is a song where it's like hey, I'm driving really dangerously and as fast as I can. And I'm afraid the police are going to stop me unless there are 100 of us. So, everybody who's in a truck, come join me, and we're going to start a convoy that will be unstoppable by the police. So, we can do things like, according to the song, drive as fast as we want, um, not uh, log sleep, and just keep driving in sure. dangerous conditions. Mad Max style. Yeah. And ignore way stations that are there for our safety and commerce. Great, great, great. Uh, so, this was. Fuck a, the police. I. No, it's more fuck all sense of common logic and reason, which is a theme you'll find repeated throughout human history, at least in 77. And uh, what's the other date? 2021.
2: Yeah. Seems like it came from the fuck your feelings sort of uh, corner of America.
1: There is a line you can draw between the Convoy song and today's various Trump inspired shirts.
0: And also, I mean, anytime anyone's like, "Hey, this would be for the common good," yeah, there's like, "But I don't want to," but and my not wanting to is more important. Drive
1: slow, make me woman. <laughs> Only woman drive slow. Me need big truck.
0: Is he a caveman trucker?
1: Hold <laughs> on, are you ready for this? Uh-huh. Me want big truck. <laughs> no John. Caveman Lind. <laughs> may make fire always Always been little flamboyant
2: (laughs) I'm shutting it down this podcast is over again (laughs) those of you at home listening and he just ran out of the room shut the door slammed the door behind him he's coming back through he's holding his hands in the air as though he scored a touchdown
1: it's called a victory lap everybody (laughs) and Brudan wanders in like uh, everything right in here I heard somebody doing something stupid
0: anyway Ruby Red the rhinestone trucker
1: his name is Big Red
0: Big Red No, that's his nickname
1: yeah his real name is Ruby Red his nickname is Big Red his other nickname is the rhinestone rhinestone trucker. trucker
0: he tries to kill his other friend, Long sure Howard, by telling him his shoe's untied and then Ugh. laughs like a maniac as Howard swerves and causes an enormous accident, which we hear via sound cues, because they have realized that they are both supposed to marry mm. the same waitress at midnight tonight. Her name is Kinky Panky, yeah,
1: that's... and she's a waitress
0: at a truck stop diner who agreed to marry them both tonight at midnight, which is poor time management on Kinky's part. Uh, we cut to the diner, and I wrote, holy shit, this woman is hot.
1: Ross fucking Kelly <laughs> yeah. is a fucking...
0: She is She's played... a dumb
1: piece. <laughs> Ross is a Kelly, I've never said till right now, and with good reason.
0: Ross Kelly is best known at this point in time for playing the Fonz's girlfriend, Pinky Tuscadero, on but three episodes of Happy Days. And, and those three episodes are enough for her to forge an entire persona and she career. She
1: is listed in the opening pumpkin... Lit- Credits of this mm-hmm. special as Ra's Pinky Gerard Tus- Kelly. Yep. Uh, but yeah, she's hot as shit. Uh, and she's working at a diner and it's ridiculous jokes all yeah. the way through. I
0: mean, long haul gets there first. He grabs Pinky. He's like, we got to get married. And then when the preacher says, uh, oh, she has a throwaway joke that made me laugh that totally gets glossed over. She screams, preach. We got to say our vowels. And like Oh, I missed that. Yeah, no, someone else is talking are, at the same time. There
1: are really good jokes in here that that I made me mad. I was <laughs> like, oh, why do you exist in this? Yes, yeah,
0: someone was actually working on this. Um, when the preacher asks if anyone objects, Ruby Red crashes his truck through the side of the diner. Bricks go everywhere, and Ruby jumps out and he says, Hanky, uh, you can't marry us both, you have to choose. And she's like, I can't decide. I don't know, why did I take so many notes about this stupid
2: thing? It doesn't
1: matter. There's one There's one part that I've watched about 500 times. <laughs> it's where Paul Lin uh, gets out of his truck and walks over and shoves somebody in the most unconvincing shove I've ever seen in yep. my life. Uh, which will only be overdone in a few moments where he... he fo- shoves two people? Yeah, he shoves two people, which looks twice as yep. unbelievable. He gives Roz Kelly a ring... Uh, and she, I, I believe that in the script, it says she shows the ring to the diner, but what her movement is, is this, (laughs) which is, if you could picture a robot that was specifically designed to do that over your head joke thing, the whoosh, (laughs) it's just that in a really robotic "Eh, eh." look at my ring, everybody. So they decide to figure out who's gonna who's gonna who's marry the yeah, who's yeah. the strongest, I guess. And so there's an arm wrestling bit, and then it's like, oh, tests of strength. And yeah,
0: long haul bends the legs of a chair. Yep. Ruby Red shoves two people back uh, and breaks the table that they're sitting at.
1: Then the two people that he shoved get up and cheer for him. Yes, they do. Sure. They're not
0: mad at all. <laughs> and then
1: <laughs> oh, fucking stupid. <laughs> Billy Barty
0: enters as the diner's cook. Yeah. And of course, Ruby makes jokes about his height.
1: Yeah, he's a short order guy.
0: Yeah, people overlook him. And then he gets hey. angry. Ruby Red, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, Billy Barty is angry about the truck in the middle of his diner. And so with one hand, he easily pushes the whole rig back out into the street. So clearly he is the strongest of the men. And so they're like, well, you're the strongest and maybe Long Hall might be the smartest. But Ruby Red here, Paul Lind, is the richest. I'm the
1: richest. He yes. says that he has a movie about his life being made and he's going to star in it and And the movie is called Deep Truck. Uh. Boy, oh boy. I... I'm blown away every time I revisit 70s culture, and they're just throwing around deep throat jokes. I'm like, you guys,
2: do you know what that means? Yeah. I'm just constantly like,
1: don't do that, sitcom. (laughs) This is not a joke you should be telling. This is very specific. But Deep Throat, the movie, the pornographic film, if you're not aware, uh, was so popular at that time that it became such a cultural touchstone that everybody talked
0: about. What is a deep truck? This not, it doesn't when, make any fucking sense. When a
1: woman truck loves no, a it. truck. No, stop it. Stop
0: trying to apologize and for this the joke. And the woman
1: truck has had enough no. practice. This is a
0: jacuzzi on fast forward type and of as joke. Long as it there, does not qualify. I've heard that if the
1: truck squeezes mm, their stop thumb.
0: It. it doesn't qualify as a joke. It does not qualify as a joke. Just breathe
1: through your nose, truck.
0: Oh my God. So... <laughs>
1: What's up? Oh, oh, had to tell dirty jokes on the podcast. that Nobody subscribed to <laughs> it. <laughs> How can't. Dare you give me dirty looks.
0: I cannot evaluate it as a dirty joke because it's not a joke. It doesn't work. Yeah, I know. I am angry. What? Anyway, Hinky then we Pinky, do a fucking
1: square dance.
0: Fucking Hinky Pinky chooses Ruby red. They hug. Never have two people had less sexual chemistry yep. than this pair of people. And now we have a big square dance number with trucking lyrics, sample lyric. Hug that shoulder, grab that curve, bump that bumper if you've got the nerve. It's fucking horrible, and I don't want to talk I about it I thought those anymore. were more <laughs>
1: lyrics. It's fucking horrible. <laughs> I don't want to hear it.
0: In the words of Andy Cohen on the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills season 10 reunion, I need to move on from this before I die.
1: I, I was also going to vote that we don't I, I talk about this square dance at all and instead have another snack.
0: Yes. yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Goodbye,
1: square dance. Emphasis on square.
0: <laughs> Andy, you've brought us the next set of cursed snacks. I sure
1: have. Uh, courtesy of Von's. I'm sorry, I read that wrong. John's. <laughs> the, the parody grocery store in Los Angeles. Do you not know John's? No. What? Uh, it's just down the street from I don't, I don't from ever here. get out. No, that's fine. Yeah. And if you ever do get out, don't go here. Okay. So there's a very popular... Uh, the two big grocery stores here in Los Angeles are Ralph's and Von's. And then... Just because I, th- I assumed somebody was like, I'm not really good at owning a grocery store, but I want people come to my grocery store named their grocery store John's with very similar font, about a half a block away from my local Vons. So I went to this John's and they have very um, inexpensive things and a whole section devoted to international snacks. And so I went through the international snacks section and bought anything that, uh, that just struck me as spooky. Which was easy to do because a lot of uh, Russian cookies apparently put little weird kid faces on their packaging. So you got two cookies uh, that have something to do with spooky children. Awesome. Yeah. The first one that we have, and forgive me for not knowing the names. The first one we have has a Russian equivalent of a young Drew Barrymore. Except on more cocaine. Um,
0: How dare you? It was alcohol.
1: Fair enough. Uh, She has a smoking pot. I'd like nine.
0: You just said cocaine. And then you were like, no, not alcohol pot. So which is it Andy?
1: I think that's shut up. <laughs> so uh, this first cookie is called the Anella cookies and they've got a creepy little kid on them. And if you were like, well, I'll just throw away the package. Think again, chump. These cookies have a picture <laughs> of Anella on them. So we're going to try these first. They seem to be some sort of, there are a
2: lot of like a cross between a graham cracker and a pop tart.
0: Oh, yeah. that's a
1: real good comparison. They do look like that. I'm willing to bet they taste like...
0: Toddler biscuits?
1: And the so ghost of Chernobyl. Oh, no. <laughs> so we're going to try this one first. No. Oh, There's no. a little
0: tiny mushroom on it. There sure
1: is. Oh, you know, that's fine. I when got I it.
0: Was, um, when I was little, my brother and sister are younger than I am, there were these little toddler biscuits. That they would give to kids with tiny made teeth. Made real toddlers? Yeah, made for toddlers. <laughs> and they were like, um, they didn't taste like much, but they were soft. And you could give them to kids who had like four teeth. Okay. And they were for, for toddlers, but I liked the way they tasted. And so my mom had some for my brother and sister, but I knew where they were kept and I would steal them. They didn't taste like anything really, but they were sort of mushy. This tastes exactly like toddler biscuits it's
1: it It's just a graham cracker like but not sweet like barely no, sweet. No, no no it's the graham cracker that you would find in those fudge grams, where it's like we don't need to actually make the the graham cookie we just need it to taste enough like a graham that we won't get sued
0: yeah cover this in anything cover it in chocolate cover it in icing it'll be great it's uh, a good base for something or else if you
1: cover it in a creepy picture of a child in a mushroom so there's that i'll take i'll take those home and put something on them Next up, we have Unpronounceable Biscuits. (laughs) There's a child who is on... I'm sorry, hold on. There's a child that's on this package who... Like, best case scenario, is dead. Uh, Worst case scenario, looks like they're in a basket. Like, the background seems like this unspecific thing, but looks like a wicker basket that they've been placed in so they could be shoved down a river and never thought about again. The child is resigned to its fate <laughs> on the package and just staring up into the clouds.
0: Just real, real middle distance, thousand yard stare on this child.
2: That says chocolate cream.
1: Okay. Uh, what,
0: what is this? Is that the name?
1: Eweka.
2: Appear to be. Unka. That, says,
1: that definitely says chocolate cream. Okay. Chocolate cream cookie biscuits. The
0: child is creepy, but the actual illustration of the cookie makes it look appetizing. It
1: does. I but bet. I guess they always do. Yeah. I mean, that's that's where they put they, they were like, it. hey, we've got two hours before we start making these biscuits. Should we make the kid look less creepy? Oh, my
0: God. I just I opened the package. It smells like alcohol. you get hit with a whiff of like... Oh, oh
1: my God. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it smells like rum. It
1: smells like fucking rum. I don't.
0: That kid is drunk.
1: (laughs) 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 Hey, you. It's me, drunk baby. Trying to do drunk baby biscuits. Oh, it's so
0: rummy. I'm not
1: doing it. I can't do it. It'll make me sick. Taste it. Yeah,
0: okay. It tastes, it
2: tastes like rum. I mean, it looks like a, like a little Debbie snack cake at first glance. It tastes like
0: a rum cake or something. I mean, I'm sure there's no rum in it, but it has that flavor.
1: Yeah, that flavor. I can't, I can't do
0: it. These are actually
2: pretty good.
1: Well, they're all I yours like now. I like rum. <laughs> I
2: mean, put I have these, no, no taste. Put so. this at the
1: foot of your bed so that the, the rum child can watch. <laughs>
0: it's baby rum ghost cakes.
1: When in Russia, try delicious rum baby chocolate <laughs> cakes.
2: Those are tasty, but I laugh at your jokes, so what do I know?
1: (laughs) (laughs) What do I know? That's all yours. Miles, you're our rum baby. (laughs) Well, you can have the rum baby cookies. I'll take the the toddler biscuits, and we can call it a fucking day. Well, that was spooky in a lot of the the ways I didn't intend it to be spooky. So, that's over now. The square dance didn't officially happen in our memories, and we're back at the manor.
0: What did that have to do... With Halloween again, which just like he wore a costume, it is, I guess. It is,
1: no, this is the thing. This is the thing about the Halloween. All of these specials are okay. It, let's keep the word the the word of the holiday. Let's keep Halloween in mind. What is any cultural thing you can think of right now? And so they were like uh, trucker things are real big right now. We can make fun of that. Florence Henderson's a thing. All they need to do to band? set that up
0: better then. Is to have him say, well, Halloween is, you know, a holiday where you get to try on different personalities. And you get to, like, experiment with being people who are not yourself. And Mm -hmm. I've always thought about maybe just tie it in some fucking how.
1: No, I get it. It speaks (laughs) to the quality of this special that that the most obvious thing in the world which is like i always wanted to halloween's a time for dressing up and one of the things i always wanted to be was a trucker right you paul linda trucker yeah long stretches of road various glory holes you know whatever it is yeah, no, no, it's fine it's i don't know but like you could you could find a segue and they just didn't they just bother did not or or more likely they were like um, hey, the special's running a little bit long. Can you cut anything? And they're like, sure. And they all looked at each other and they're like, none of the jokes though. Uh-uh. And they're like, anything that makes sense or provides a transition is the first thing we'll cut so we can make sure to have these terrible, terrible jokes. Oh my jokes.
0: God, it just does not That was the point, This Look, I've watched a lot of bad television.
1: Sure, we had a podcast.
0: We had a podcast all about it. The thing that annoys me is, is just like, it's not that hard Mm-mm. to string an Idea all the way through to make it feel cohesive, yeah. it's truly not that hard. You sometimes just have it can to be have... hard on the first pass, but sure. when you look at it,
1: it's honestly on the second draft, it is an editing thing that really takes nothing but the thought of it, right? To consider your audience and be like, will they understand or be jarred by this transition
0: as an audience member. Most of us are so willing to go along with it if you just put in the tiniest bit of effort. Now, homie,
1: if you're, tuned, you're tuning into the Paul Lent Halloween special, apparently you're up for anything.
0: Uh, I mean, you're, You've got you no must life. be on acid. So...
1: <laughs> At least.
0: This is not even, like, the fucking He-Man Christmas thing. Yes. If you want to take an edible and watch that and, like feel your feelings about when you realize that Skeletor is actually the hero of that mm-hmm. episode. Yeah, I can fully recommend that experience. Do not go watch this.
1: No, this is not. This Do not pay
0: $3.99 to rent this on it's Amazon. Only,
1: first of all, YouTube.com uh, <laughs> <laughs> Also, it's just it's too frenetic to be legitimately funny. It's too like sweaty and this is the first joke we thought of. We're writing all this in an afternoon. And God bless you. The writers of this show, if you are one of the two people listening to this podcast right now, uh, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this at 1976 no, it was said, like, we have to get the right shit up, And
0: then just forgetting about it. The first thing we set up is that Pauline doesn't like Halloween, doesn't like kids, yeah. right? So anything that makes him come out the other side of this Scrooge-style understanding kids are liking Halloween, that would be fine, but we'd never go back to that. Sure. Then we're talking about rehabilitating the image of witches. That could be a through line that could go through, but we never come no. back to that. And it's just got... We keep setting up like, this is going to be Fucking, about this, and then it never be, comes back to it.
1: You know to would be hilarious to me, 1970s Paul Lynn special is if the whole thing is about him and Tim Conway having a romantic rivalry about Pinky Tuscadero. <laughs> the whole goddamn thing, and then you just throw an axe in between it. That's a through line. Anything's a through Anything. line. Fucking Kiss is, is trying to invade our, our manner and to play a song. I would watch the fuck out of that. I would. It's called Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Theme Park Paradise. I, I don't know.
0: It's just, it's, it's gonna be, I realize at this point, and I get very sad that it's just going to be a bunch of SNL rejected sketches, yeah. like strung together with bad songs.
1: Yeah, just it's not. Also, by the way, uh, Kiss Meets the the Phantom is a legitimate movie that. Uh, why everyone, didn't we watch that? Let's that's next Halloween, next baby. Halloween. <laughs> so, <laughs> stay subscribed, both of you.
0: <laughs> wavy lines take us back to Gloomsbury Manor. Oh, where bliss is blessedly over. Yeah, the witches are reading Rosemary's Baby and The Exorcist novels and giggling like their beach reads, and that is a funny game. That's a good
1: joke. I'm that into that. That is a good joke.
0: And then they offer him food, and they say it's a hot dog with all the meat scraped out of it, and he goes, "Oh, a Halloweenie And I legitimately laughed at that. This supposed
1: to be like it's a Halloweenie Yeah, it's
0: a okay. Halloweeny. Sure, it's a pun. So then,
1: oh, and speaking of which, Billy Barty comes out, and and Paul Lin says, "I want bite, so, uh, Paul, Bill, Barty to bite some." Bill Barty's tries to bite a bag. Yeah. Oh, oh
0: my goodness! And then makes more little person jokes. So this is
1: all just puns. They just fucking <laughs> just like yeah. Uh, So then
0: the Wicked Witches offer Paul a little chamber music from some musicians that they have locked up in a little chamber. Um, She's like, but I can summon them. And then it's fucking Kiss. It's Kiss. They're coming down in an elevator, like a cage elevator.
1: We we one moment to identify the fact that Hollywood Square's star, Paul Lind. Yep. Witchy Pooh from a druggy kid show yep. and the wicked witch of the fucking west from maybe the biggest movie of all time introduced Detroit rock band Kiss.
0: Yeah, I oh I'm already imagining the after party where also Betty White is. <laughs> <laughs> it's KISS, it's Paul and it's Betty White, it's annie Marie. It's
1: Just it's one witchy-poo. big writhing pile on the floor. <laughs> Oh, those Hollywood seventies!
0: So then they play Detroit Rock City, and they look like babies. First of all, they're, they're it's, so young.
1: Here's the other thing that I've noticed: they're not good at acting. Like they're <laughs> <laughs> they're so bad at pretending to be rock stars. The The camera
0: is spinning. The camera is like spinning. There's pyro. The speaker stacks fake explode. I was not. And this is actually hands down my favorite part of the special. Okay, good. (laughs) I
1: was legitimately not feeling great when I watched this the first time. And when the screen starts spinning, because I guess it's an effect they just invented that day. I was like, okay, well, once is fine. And then it just keeps happening. And I was like, if this thing makes me throw up.
0: (laughs) I think that probably like you, someone realized they're really bad at fake playing their instruments. Yeah, I think they just And so, so they were s- like, just spin it up and down.
1: You can't tell if it's spinning.
0: <laughs> and so this, is, this makes as much sense as anything fucking else. Yeah. And obviously this was meant to bring in the kids, you know. Sure. And actually, I was thinking about this. And like in 1976, you couldn't just go to YouTube and watch videos of your oh, favorite sure. bands
1: performing. You Absolutely. know, like it
0: would have been hard to see kiss perform there weren't even on
1: tv there were very few at the time music videos and certainly not like a specific platform for them to exist upon so
0: if you were a kiss fan you might have sat through this entire fucking thing to get to see kiss play and then they play two more songs at the end yeah so this is my favorite part of the,
2: the I, this performance. I'm gonna be
1: honest with you, Kiss. Kiss playing was a good reprieve from the rest of this yeah. thing. It was it was nice to come back, and there's enough like funny ridiculousness in Kiss just being there, right? That's fine. Uh, so they do also this... in
0: them sort of they'll do it more later, but sort of like shilling for Kiss, and they're like their billboard numbers are da da da, and I'm like,
1: No, this the next segment is is ridiculous. <laughs> we'll get to it. So then. This, the screen spins until we all lose consciousness <laughs> and we fade back in on uh, the gang playing Witchy Monopoly.
0: Witch's Monopoly. You can Park buy it or is, burn it down.
1: Yeah, which I guess every, every property is a lawn. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and Paul is just playing Monopoly because he, I guess, lives here now or he's accepts his fate. He still <laughs> has two wishes. He's not in a hurry to use them. Hey,
1: you know what my <laughs> wish would be? I want to wish I'm not playing Monopoly. Right, exactly. Ever again. Like, like, wish to go home. Yeah.
0: So the Wicked Witch of the West is bored, much like everyone else, and yep. says she's going to take a bat into town and see a movie. And Paul says, he doesn't want to play these games anymore. I'd rather be in the middle of the Sahara Desert. In fact, I wish I
1: were. Oh, no. Oops.
0: The thing that always happens where the second wish is something you accidentally said. But he has enough time before they poof him off to the Sahara Desert to ask to be a rich sheik who's a great lover. Yeah. And they're like, okay, then. And they agree to set that up. All right. Wavy lines. And now we're in the sheik's palace. And... I'm braced. I am braced. Yeah,
1: this I've just I've I've divided everything up into the various parts of it. Wait, this is my
0: this is my first line about the sheik. Paul enters in stereotypical Middle Eastern garb and at least he's not in brown face. At least. Oh, wait, maybe he is. It's hard to tell.
1: It's really difficult to tell. So I don't
0: know. He may be wearing some like dark makeup. It's not egregious. Yeah, Uh, but I couldn't tell because the video quality was not great, even on Amazon. Whether it, or not he's in brown look, face.
1: That's, it's not the least of our problems, but we do have plenty of other problems. Oh, my God. So let's talk about what has happened here. Uh, <laughs> this is This is something that is referenced so often that it wasn't until this bit that I was like, where the fuck does this come from? Because yeah. there is this. There's a, a bit in uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Bugs Bunny very often is playing a Sheik, and it yeah. all dates back to uh, a series of basically exploitative movies that started in the silent movie era with the movie The Sheik, 1921, okay. sure. starring Rudy Rudolph Valentino, which right. was his like his signature role was this great romantic lover and he i think originated this trope of a powerful uh sheik who's a great lover who lives in the desert kidnaps a lady holds the lady against her will and eventually the lady's like i'm into you yeah the end so this happened in the movie the sheik in 1921 and then the follow-up in 1926 son of the sheik i'll let you uh, fill in the blanks there and then that trilogy concludes with 1927's She's a Sheik.
0: This is 50 years later.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, enough of a trope, and I'm assuming, did not stop there. That's just where it started. I mean,
0: Lawrence of Arabia was a big, For huge sure. thing.
1: And it might have been around this time. I don't know when Lawrence of Arabia came out. Oh, hold on. Hold, please. Let me tell you the uh, the summary of the 1927 movie She's a Sheik.
0: I, I'm assuming it's She's All That. But in the Sahara Desert.
1: At the end of it, the sheikh takes off their glasses and they're like, oh, was I a fucking sheikh bet?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Florence
0: of Arabia, 1962.
1: So, still, it's enough of a trope that they're fucking going for it.
0: Also, according to IMDB, Florence of Arabia in development.
1: Thank you for taking your time with that, assholes. Hey, hey, why don't you fucking get it out this year? It could be a 100th anniversary of the Sheik. That's right, folks. This is a trope that started 100 years ago. That's how far we've gotten in culture. So, okay, she's a Sheik.
0: And if they remake it now, they'll cast, like, Danny Pudi or something. Oh, Someone sh- who's not, not Middle Eastern. But close enough. No,
1: they're going to get Rami Malik and be like Egyptian, Middle Eastern. No. It's all the same. That
0: would be hopeful. That would be hopeful.
1: She's a sheikh. Uh, Baby Daniels plays Zaida, a half Spanish, half Middle Eastern sheikh determined to marry a Christian man. Don't stop me. Okay. <laughs> she kidnaps French Captain Colton. After a few no days. Name given. No, Colton is his last name. He's oh, Captain, Captain Colton. Colton. After a few days as a prisoner, Colton's, Colton succumbs to her charms. Then there's a battle, and Colton and Zayda end up with each other. The end.
0: So it's the same. It's it's, it's just it, a. La- it's, he's the man. <laughs>
1: it's, she's a sheik. He's the man. <laughs> yeah. I'm that person. You're another. Oh no, guy. he's all that. That's he's what I'm all that. he's all
0: that uh also um,
1: she's the she's the man is a, a a thing one of the guys amanda
0: Bynes. yeah it's yeah. 12th night um yeah so anyway this yeah. is all gonna be even dumber than the last thing still has less to do with halloween than anything
1: we're not gonna talk much about this no
0: because it actually blessedly doesn't go on as long as the last one
1: there is one joke in this that made me laugh tell us what's the oh. premise here
0: the premise is florence henderson the mother of the brady bunch is uh, dressed uh, like an English writing outfit. She uh, And Paul Lynde enters, and it's this like sheik's palace, all done up, she's on a pillow on the floor. He comes in, he's wearing an enormous earring because he says he's a sheik sheik, mm. and then he calls himself Florence of Arabia, Because this is hilarious because her name is Florence, but also because he's a gay man and it's sort of a little wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And then he has kidnapped and intends to rape Florence Henderson. And hilarious. This has everything to do with Halloween. I hate it here is what I wrote. Um, Florence calls him a barbarian. And then she says, I am a proper English woman and heiress named Lady Cecily Westinghouse. This is the joke. Who is without passion, without emotion, she says. And then he says,
1: Uh, she is cold. I think I've kidnapped a Westinghouse Frigidares. Appliance jokes. Fucking great, though. I mean, if you have to, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a long road to that joke, but right. if you stick with it.
0: <laughs> the payoff is there.
1: And that, that payoff a is solid a joke. sharp exhalation through your nose. Long
0: and solid payoff. So she says, you will never bend me to your will. And then he I tries to kiss her a million this. times I and she finally it. just lets him. And it's uh, just so fucking icky. He says he's
1: going to give her a case of lip lash. The
0: consent implications are disastrous. Thank <laughs> you. He tries to bribe her with jewelry and then a cockatoo which is actually a parrot Yeah,
1: and Tim then- Conway comes in he's from the French Legion he's been tipped off by Florence Henderson and she's he's a there to, spy she's there to take his he's
0: got a Russian accent he he's, he's the Sheikh's nemesis I have never been happier to see Tim Conway because the kissing stops yeah um, drags
1: drags uh, Paul Lind out there who by doing so drags Florence Henderson who's attached to them then Paul Lind comes back and she's like you escaped and he says no I bribed him by giving him the cockatoo, quote, yeah, yeah, but I mean, it's very specifically a cockatoo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A man gets mighty lonely in the foreign legion.
0: Bestiality jokes. We got appliance jokes. We got bestiality jokes, and it's done.
1: Sorry, that's not the last (sighs) bestiality joke we'll have. Stay tuned, everybody. Another bestiality joke on the horizon. One. At least there's no song. There is, and you can, this, this, unlike the next bestiality joke, you can kind of get away with this one, because if you dig very slightly this this there's more effort put into this joke than any transition it's a parrot parrots have been known to talk if you are lonely getting a talking parrot would alleviate that loneliness but it's a
0: cockatoo they keep saying it's a cockatoo even though it's clearly a parrot yeah. why did they not just call it a parrot because anyway
1: one of this it's not a parrot doesn't have any single slang for penis in there
0: oh you're right cockatoo has to, at least one if i had to guess There was supposed to be a song here that got cut. If I had to guess,
1: well, then on behalf of both of us, thanks, thanks, fucking thanks. Hey, the concept of time. Thanks for limiting this special.
0: So, there's another passionless kiss. What the fuck? I mean, I have to assume that the fact that he keeps getting into all these heterosexual entanglements is a joke, right? It's like part of a joke.
1: It's certainly not to. uh, It's certainly not any kind of turn on situation. And you're not.
0: You're not pulling the wool over anyone's eyes. No one in the audience thinks like, ooh, Florence Henderson and Paul Lynn. Hot, hot, hot. You know? like
1: That said, Chelsea, I mean, I've heard stories, one directly from, I think my mom said this at one point, that back in the day, a lady who's less knowledgeable of the world could get a little confused. And then a lot of women had these huge crushes on Liberace and we're like, oh, I love him. He's so, he's such a ladies' man.
0: Yeah, I mean, I and guess I get it Liberace is so gay. So gay.
1: That he was Liberace. <laughs> he,
0: his word, his name is now a, an adjective. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess I get it. I, I'm also not trying to like yuck anybody's yum or whatever, but I'm just sort of like, we have Paul Lind. Mm. We are six or seven or eight writers in a room. <laughs> and we're like, Paul Lind. Hmm. What can we do with him? Anything. Dream scenarios. We'll build the sets. We'll have the costumes. It'll be amazing. Uh, first, he gets into a love triangle as a trucker.
1: As a trucker? S- oh, I was going to say as a trucker. Okay.
0: He's a rapey chic rapey that kidnaps chic. Florence Henderson.
1: I have that. I have both of those written down here.
0: <laughs> amazing. We're going to build this entire special around him kissing women, which is something he clearly does not want to do. No. Like it could have been anything. It
1: could have been anything.
0: It could have been more thematic, for fucking sure. You, but it could have been literally anything. It
1: just—it is just such low-hanging fruit that it does feel like this was slapped together in an afternoon. He doesn't like, have to
0: kiss anybody. You
1: didn't have, have to, kiss, to anybody. kiss
0: anybody. Certainly not. You didn't have to be this way, Andy. Also,
1: are you saying it was Pauline's <laughs> choice that he wasn't born as a rapey chic? How dare you! <laughs>
0: Okay. Do you know what I really need now? So I have the strength to go on and finish this thing up with the third wish. What's up? An actual good snack, Um, which I have found a recipe for. I need to go throw it together (gasps) because it only takes a minute. I think you're actually really going to like it. Okay. So you sit tight. I'm going to go fix our snack, and then we'll have the strength to finish this stupid thing. Sounds good. Don't try
2: to take me to a death.
1: Chelsea made an amazing skillet-based s'mores treat in keeping with the tradition of eating anything that has to do with s'mores on this show and also in my whole life, uh, which was very delicious. So it was marshmallows, chocolate, and then we dipped graham crackers in it. Guys, it was was everything. It was everything I could have possibly wanted and more. And s'more.
0: I think it was very good... I used um, pumpkin marshmallows because that's what I had in the house. And I think next time I would just use regular marshmallows. Mm -hmm. Uh, But this is a very, it was very fast to put together. I think it would be fun at like a party.
1: Like they say in Boca Louisiana, quicker than building a fire.
0: That's exactly what they say.
1: Not my pig, not my fire. (laughs) Pig in the fires with two fires in a bush. (laughs) Oh, my
2: God.
1: Speaking of. Speaking of flames. Flames. Paul in! Uh, all right. Well, we're gonna all
0: right. C- Every time we go back to Gloomsbury Manor, I am happier to be here than the time we were here before. No,
1: that's about to take a twist, though, um, because we are about to get to uh, this. Paul,
0: Paul just asked the witches. He's So he's back from being a rapey chic, and he <laughs> says, can't you just do anything like normal people? And they're like come on, you've been having fun. And I wrote, have we?
1: <laughs> Paul Lind, you speak for us all.
0: And he says, you're not as bad as you look, but come to think of it, nothing's as Nothing bad as you look. Bad
1: as you it walk. took seven
0: people to write this show, Andy.
1: Yep. So <laughs> Seven people to write this show. <laughs> Lind decides to use his last wish for the witches. For
0: unknown reasons.
1: Doesn't matter. It, it, I, I. It's Paul Lind is like and I just wish the special was over. (laughs) Uh, The witches say they want to go to a Hollywood disco. Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck you. (laughs) Fuck you, witches. (laughs) Fuck you, this special. They want to go to a Hollywood disco. So... The wish is is used and this set turns into a very well appointed but completely unnecessary Hollywood disco.
0: Yeah, Ooh, which is just boy. I mean it is the only way this special can end and there is yeah. actually an amazing episode of the podcast You're Wrong About about the fact that like disco was very a very black, very queer subculture that was completely appropriated by Hollywood sure. white people. They made Saturday Night Fever. There are no queer characters in it. There are no black people in it. Absolutely.
1: And, and so and then the only time that they included any any uh African American or homosexual uh, uh, identification is during the Disco Demolition Rally where they 100% made it about gay people suck.
0: Right. And like so now we have Paul Lind reappropriating disco. But not, but he's not out. The whole thing is so like, what are the kids into? We got Kiss, we got disco, truckers, I guess, Mm -hmm. rapey sheiks. That's a fifty-year-old bit that still got legs. It doesn't have legs. It doesn't have legs. And so, of course, we have to now. We have to have a disco section and. Gloomsbury Manor is transformed into a Hollywood disco. He gets a sparkly tuxedo, and the witches have to wear what they had on. Sure, I was like wet, ready for that costume change. This is their change. first time
1: at a Hollywood disco, Chelsea. Uh, so it, it works within the the reality of the Look, show.
0: As a person who just recently got kicked out of the Beverly Hills Hotel for wearing ripped denim, is that I can true? say, oh yeah. Did you tell me about this? No, it's happened like a week ago.
1: <laughs> you got kicked out of a place <laughs> for wearing ripped
0: denim. There is a strict dress code at these types of places in Los uh, Angeles. Uh, uh huh. And the Witches should be better dressed for this
1: I'm sorry what was the Who kicked you out
0: The di Pepe
1: uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, mean, I legitimately Could have guessed that It's
0: a longer story but that's the gist of it You can't wear a crop top I wasn't wearing a crop top but I easily could have been Or ripped denim or any number of other things I guess To dine at the polo lounge At the Beverly Hills Hotel I had a meeting there with a producer I showed up and ripped denim They kicked me out
2: looking like Taylor Swift on a skateboard and they were like get out of here I you're like, wish
0: if someone were like that Chelsea reminds me so much of Taylor Swift on a skateboard I'd be like where, where did I go right you know <laughs> like fuck yes um, anyway we went to somewhere else but it was fine uh, but yes all that to say Los Angeles has a strict dress code around the discos
1: so uh, the witches
0: are pumped to be at a disco. There's nevertheless, a, there's a legitimate,
1: legitimately decent joke. Yes. Paul Lynn says, "After the party, let's go to Forest Lawn for a nightcap."
0: I did. I did think that I was did, a I was good like, joke. But I also local s- jokes. Yeah,
1: that was the other thing. Was like, do I think this is funny or am I smugly going? Oh, I know where that is.
0: No, Forest Lawn was a big thing. I mean, I don't know if it's a big thing outside of Los Angeles, but Mm. at the time it was supposed to be like the Disneyland of death. It was a whole different kind of cemetery. I just heard a podcast about this. Um, The American Hysteria podcast talked about Forest Lawn in their episode about death and how the guy who founded it was like. This is going to be a whole different kind of cemetery. It's going to be like a beautiful place where people this like, like to go. It's your cemetery exactly. unless she's
1: buried here. And <laughs> it is, your mama's cemetery.
0: Um, but anyway.
1: Here's the other uh, uh, animal uh, bestiality joke. Oh. Uh, they're talking about uh, people uh, discoing and someone, uh, t- uh, Paul Lynn says, Tim Conway was out there doing the monkey. And then the witch, oh, the witches have... Asked Paul Lind to be the MC for the Hollywood disco, tell a few jokes and then introduce the music again. Yes. Yes. And he tells jokes, but then the witches beat him to the punchline. Yes. Hilarious.
0: And he so, gets annoyed about that.
1: Oh boy, go fuck a It
0: was a disaster. <laughs> oh go fuck <laughs> a man. <laughs> It's the worst insult he can think of, I guess. Cell <laughs>
1: phone. Um, he says, "He says I just saw Tim Conway was out there doing the monkey and the Wicked Witch of the fucking West goes <laughs> tell the monkey bit him." There's no, there is no way that that's not Tim Conway
0: doing f- a monkey. Oh my fucking
1: God. the monkey! Tell the monkey bit him.
0: No, Margaret Hamilton, I am so sorry.
1: Yeah, Preston. Oh, God. Preston Power.
0: Oh, God. There was a better joke.
1: (laughs) Or should I say... Wicked Witch of the West in power.
0: Oh, my God. This is the point at which... Miles
1: nodded. Much
0: like us right now, everyone in this special is super punchy at this point. Yeah, for real. They're grabbing each other's hands. They're laughing like loons. Mm-hmm. Nothing means anything anymore nope. because we've reached the curtain call, and everyone who was here before is now disco dancing. Warren yep. uh, Henderson
1: sings that old black magic and not even all the cocaine in the 70s can make this Okay.
0: And I wrote, I guess we're at the supreme ordeal. (laughs) If he was on a journey to accept witches at people and now they're all friends, then that would make sense. This would be a great point for him to have a line and say, See how great witches are. See, they're not all bad. Hey, you know what? I
1: started out this special hating Halloween, but look how it brought us all together. Anything. Uh, I timed that line. It took me literally five seconds to wrap (laughs) this thing up. Goodbye, everybody. Here's Kiss. We
0: have abandoned every premise we set up. I am the only person who remembers or cares. You and me, the only people I who care. care about this. The witches <laughs> witches have don't also stopped caring about why they brought him here. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say that Florence's performance of that old black magic is our reward. Because this is a variety special That's and I have already rewards. gone too much work no. trying to make this make sense.
1: Florence Henderson's Old Black Magic is part of the Supreme Ordeal. Our reward <laughs> is the next segment, yeah. which starts out by one of the characters asking, what does number one with a bullet
0: mean? Oh, uh, well, I would like to go back and say, oh. once again, just so I could be on record saying something I've said off record many times, there does not need to be a disco version of everything. Uh, yeah. That includes that old black magic. Uh, the disco version of that song did not need to exist.
1: Bad news for you, friends. Uh, Bruce Valange, one of the other shows that he wrote upon that I did not mention because I I was like, why would we ever want to talk about this? It was a 2003 special called "The Disco Ball," where people like The Tramps, Paula Abdul, Aaron Carter, <laughs> Taylor Shaq, Taylor Dane, Chic, The Spinners. Cedric the Entertainer and Wilmer Valderrama all sing Disco Takes on Old Classics.
0: You would think that Aaron Carter would have better things to do after beating Shaq, but I guess not.
1: Like jam, (laughs) took it to the hoop like slam. Thank God at this point Kiss comes back to sing two more songs. Oh, Chelsea, did you know that Kiss has a new album called Beth?
0: I do because they said it as though they were record promoters. They, they, ter- they become super canned, and it's like their billboard numbers are off the charts. And and I, suddenly everyone is yeah, everyone is Kiss's yep. promoter, I guess.
1: So the song Beth begins, and the song Beth is just Peter Chris, uh, the piano. Cat Man, singing. He's at a piano, not playing the piano, and not singing. Nope. Uh, this song, which is one of my favorite, like hard rock tropes which is like they've been singing about partying they've been singing about fucking they've been singing about demon stuff but now peter chris just wants to sing to a girl named beth oh i can't wait to come home yeah <laughs> and it's the whole thing is like i'm on the road and it sucks having to rock this hard but <laughs> then just like in 15 minutes i'm gonna drive home and fuck the shit out of you
0: oh beth beth is like i'm not waiting Beth's around like i moved out long ago
1: i i can i can I tell this record they have the wrong number <laughs> but my favorite part of this whole thing is so he sings the whole goddamn song uh, and it's fine but then at the end they need to remind us that kiss is a band or there's some contractual obligation that that right. demands that kiss rejoin him but they all just sort of amble in in a way that makes it look like they're all about to just comfort him and be and like then, it's gonna be okay buddy and thanks and then Paul the Lynn demon
0: makes jokes about
1: kiss oh, oh then we have the the he the, makes fun of them no nope. then we have the the classic uh here is this is this is the thing in the specials which is we have an older tv personality who is can you believe it interviewing these young upstart musicians
0: i can't believe it actually the
1: best instance of this is in the much parodied often watched by me <laughs> being crosby special <laughs> where Bing crosby is like, well, I can't wait to sing another song. And then the doorbell rings, and he goes, answered it, and it's David fucking Bowie.
0: And then they sing the best version of Little Drummer Way that's ever existed. do.
1: Because that song, go watch this. Stop what you're doing. Why are you listening to this podcast in the first place, number one. Number two, stop listening to this podcast and go watch this video. You
2: can just address me directly. Miles.
1: <laughs> Miles. First things first. Unsubscribe to this, buddy. (laughs) The dream's over. They're not putting out any more albums.
2: Episodes. Just come home to me, (laughs) Beth. I've been on the road
1: recording podcasts. (laughs) And I can't wait to get back
0: to you. It sucks to rock this hard.
2: Sure does.
1: I gotta hit record and stop. And then eat a snack or two. Beth. Beth is not a fun. It's not no. a fun name to sing. It's
0: not a melodious name.
1: I love you, Beth. <laughs> Apologies to anybody named Beth listening. So yeah, he does the whole like, I'm gonna start talking to kiss. And I'm going to make jokes, and Kiss is not going to be amused throughout. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. The first one, he says, I bet I know how you guys got your name and your act. You got in a fight, and your mom told you to kiss and make up.
0: That's after he calls them a religious group, because uh, Margaret Hamilton calls them by their full Christian names.
1: There's nothing Christian about our names.
0: (laughs) And he says, I love a Christian group.
1: And then fucking Gene Simmons like, we don't wear makeup. And it's like, you guys, this isn't fun. And then... What does Kiss do for the rest of it when they're not playing? They they go on to play and then they go like stand up in the balcony, like disdainfully looking down. No, no, no. this is the, the thing. Rest First
0: of all, it. you skipped my favorite joke of this whole part, which Please. is when he tells them to push the button on your elevator shoes. <laughs>
1: it's pretty good <laughs> <laughs> because Poland has 100 percent said that to different people. <laughs> in, like, I can't wait life. to
0: find a way to use that at some point. Hey
1: guys, I said the funniest thing at 54 last night. <laughs> See if we can work this into the show. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> Take out the snort
2: effect um, but the rest of it's gold. So the, Colombian gold.
0: <laughs> the, sn- the show's finale as you said has the entire cast assembled as Paul and Pinky sing Disco Baby, which is a retitled version of Disco Lady, Shit. and Kiss is watching from the balcony because they were not they would not be caught dead doing this and yes I am sure they were asked.
1: Uh, yeah, well here's the problem with that, Chelsea, they would not be caught dead doing disco until 2 years from now when they put out a disco album. <laughs> right. So we've we've skipped the part where Kiss plays again. They sing the song "King of the Nighttime World." Uh, the only there are four amazing things about this. The pyrotechnics are fantastic. We get to watch Kiss doing more squats and jumps, which seem to be the centerpiece of their unconvincing rock act. It's just jump, <laughs> squat, 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 jump, and then my favorite, uh, Gene Simmons also does some fire breathing, which is fantastic. But I guess there's a part where the bass isn't being utilized, and Gene Simmons has nothing to pretend to do, so he just starts punch dancing like this. Love a punch dance, man. It's just punching like at a 45-degree angle from your shoulder. (laughs) Fist comes back to shoulder, punch. Fist comes back to shoulder, punch. And he's doing it dressed like a demon in platform shoes and armor. Elevator shoes. Yes. Elevator takes you to a platform. So they do it, and then it's over, and that's the end of kiss.
0: Yeah, and that's the end of they, they
1: go be grumpy in a corner somewhere. Yeah,
0: and then Too they cool do they do this um, disco disco baby, um, Pinky Tuscanero is fucking loving it. <laughs> She's having the best time of everybody, and we do not.
1: <laughs> I wrote down. <coughs> I wrote down. We've been through a lot in the last eighteen months, but I wouldn't want to live in this time period <laughs> for <of> fucking anything. <laughs> It's so awful. This disco baby shit made me so sad that I was like, There's work being done to make this happen, and there are people who learn dances, and somebody who played an instrument.
0: And a very talented army of set dressers and designers.
1: True heroes.
0: So the return with the elixir, heal the community part (laughs) does not happen. We do not see Paul return to his ordinary life. You don't think Disco
1: Baby is the elixir that's going to heal the the community? (laughs) Not at
0: all. Uh, You don't think P.
1: Descadero's the elixir?
0: If anyone could do it, she could, but even she is not powerful enough. Um, Paul Lynn breaks the fourth wall and says to the audience, you've just been the greatest. Thank you for making me feel wanted. Making
1: me feel wanted.
0: Oh, God. And thank you for inviting us into your homes tonight. And that it was just too real for a second there.
1: It got. And then and then like the way he lands off of that awkwardly sincere moment is to make another fat joke where he's like, no, excuse me. I'm going back to my groove to trip the heavy. Fantastic. Right.
0: And then he thanks all his guest stars, uh, which is a very Motley crew that that me T- me TV no, article no, refers to as...
1: No, it's, it was Kiss.
0: Kiss thanks the guest stars?
1: No, 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 no. You said the Motley crew was playing. It was oh, Kiss. Oh,
0: ha, ha, ha. Miles me- was on
1: his phone. Otherwise, he would have laughed at that. When he listens to this later, he will. I'm just
2: checking my gram. I'm getting like hella likes so. fuck.
0: Miles is not on Instagram, so I don't Boy. know what he's actually so doing. So anyway, that the anyway. Uh, Paul Lynn the
1: the, the the sincerity Paul Lynn moment just got bumped down to number two most awkward things I've ever heard. Thanks, Miles.
0: <laughs> um he thanks all his guest stars and the MeTV article refers to this group of people as whoever could come over to ABC at four PM on a Tuesday. And it's, <laughs> it's a
1: real who's who of who's available. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it would not be hard to have a line here to tie everything up sure. anything go you back could... to hating kids sure. except and say no this disco the kids are on to something go back to the thing about hating halloween and say i guess halloween can be fun go back to hating witches and be like look at those witches cutting your rug they're
1: not so I bad get, I, got it, I got it i got it right now I got anything. It. Here, here you go here's the final line from Paul Lynn before it goes into the the raucous credits thanks for letting me into your home I guess I started out by hating Halloween, but it looks like Halloween's when we accept all kinds of people, including me.
0: Perfect. Thank you, everybody. Anything. That took you 15 seconds. Yeah. Like,
1: and I'm it not... not on cocaine. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's just not that hard. It's they. I also don't know why everything would be set up only to be abandoned. You know, it's just like <sighs> I had so much hope in the first 10 minutes that sure. there was going to be... Because I have watched there are other variety specials, and they are, I mean, they're sort of vaudevillian, right? It's supposed mm-hmm. to be a bunch of things, kind of a grab bag of things. But there are, this has this format has been better executed elsewhere that I have seen, where everything is at least tied in to we're snowed in in a Christmas cabin. Sure. Here come all these people to sing songs. Oh my gosh, the snow has melted, but we've decided we don't want to leave because all our friends are here and Christmas is about friends. I mean, truly, it takes so little effort to put the tag on the end. Can I
1: throw out like a a theory that I can't possibly back up and it's just going to be a sad little discussion we can have right now? Sure. Do you think that Paul Lind, as a closeted gay man, pretending not to be gay on TV for an audience that doesn't want to identify the fact that he's gay is further not allowed to have enough humanity in some situation like this, that it's like, we have to keep him at every possible arm's length. Do you think it's just, we can't think of Paul Lynde as being sincere?
0: I don't think, well, maybe, but that doesn't give the writers an excuse.
1: It's not an excuse at all. And in fact, if it's true, it's horrifying, but it just feels like I'm thinking about other Christmas and holiday specials. And everybody has, number one, everybody has a legitimate romantic beat in there somewhere. We can't have that because, God forbid. But is it like, does that sort of infect the rest of this? And like, Paul Lin just has to keep telling one-liners. We don't want Paul Lin's emotional core on display at all.
0: I mean, maybe it also makes me feel like now I'm being... um. Oh, I'm Pollyannying it by saying the writing is just bad.
1: <laughs> it's I mean, just both of these things may be sloppy. true or either one of them could be true. It's just something that occurred to me because it's like every, every other special I've ever seen lands a sentimental point. Like it's part of it. It's part of this yeah. whole thing. The fucking uh, Garfield Halloween special fucking landed a family bit yeah. and a I'm happy to be alive bit and and we just don't have that it was like thanks for making me feel wanted that's the literal least you can hope for yeah. in a situation especially if you're a a star who has their own Halloween special I don't and know, man. B- bought Errol Flynn's mansion. You would think that, like, yeah, clearly I feel wanted in this society, but it's, I don't know. I, or I'm reading too much into it and it's just shitty writing.
0: I think it's just shitty writing. Could be. So, But that's the least, de- that's the less depressing of the two options. So I think that's what I'm going with. Let's
1: do it, that then. As puzzling as it began, it ends with a freeze frame of Lind kissing the wicked witch of the West mm. and a voiceover of Paul Lind saying, Happy Halloween, everybody.
0: I'm so sorry, once again, Margaret Hamilton, that you were dragged into this. This
1: is the only other thing I know you from, Margaret Hamilton. It's this and Wizard of Oz. She
0: was a stage actor. She's from Cleveland.
1: Oh, she's great. And she's very talented. You can tell it's just like this was your career. Like these were your highlights.
0: Yeah. I mean, she was typecast before she got that part as sort of like spinsters. Sure. And then after she was the Wicked Witch of the West, she didn't get offered anything else. I'm sure. There was just that until. But she, by all accounts, loved being... The Wicked Witch of the West had no compunction about it and didn't didn't have bitterness around being typecast after that. So seems like a real nice lady. Once again, apologies.
1: Wow. Uh, All right. I just uh, found this question over here, Chelsea. It's covered in dust. Uh Um, uh, (laughs) Chelsea, uh, who did you want to hug in this special?
0: Oh, my God market hamilton
1: i kind of that was my first thought too based on what i just said a moment ago and just because like just there's one line in the wikipedia article about paul lynn that was like he was frustrated and sad that he couldn't live his life i'm like that's probably putting it very mildly so Mm -hmm. i'd like to hug paul Lynn.
0: yeah good thanks for making him a full wanted
1: it's the least i can do
0: did you learn anything
1: uh uh I learned. Um, I learned about trucker culture.
0: I learned. I learned about uh, uh, the um, the doctor whatever's the onesie.
1: Doctor Denton's. Doctor Denton's. There's that. Yep. Uh, I learned that kids has a hot new album out called Beth, <laughs> and it's at the <laughs> top of the charts with a bullet.
0: That uh, kind of information that will never. Age never go out of style.
1: (laughs) I learned that, uh, especially after our many, many episodes of podcasting, that if we tried hard enough, you and me, we could ignore a whole (laughs) segment of a special. Like, remember when there wasn't a square dancing bit?
0: Absolutely don't, because I don't know why you're talking.
1: I don't know what I'm talking about either. It's just mumbly words.
2: Andy,
0: (laughs) Andy, how do you think this went?
2: It was a disaster. (laughs) It was a disaster.
1: Miles, can you do, you're the only one who hasn't done a Paul Lind impression. Do you think you can do a Paul Lind impression? (laughs) (laughs) That was pretty good. (laughs) Was that Paul Lind's (laughs) death (laughs) rattle? That was his last words. I can not I can't do, I
2: I can't do an impression. That's okay. That's okay.
1: We we haven't been doing it either. We've been doing our gods on his best, but. Folks, if you're listening this
0: long, why? No, don't. Don't be listening this long. Don't. Go live your lives.
1: Thank you very much, everybody, for tuning in uh, for this very strange, impulsive one-off episode that we decided to do.
2: It's good to see you. Okay, bye. Stay spooky.
1: Stay spooky. Oh, what was our sign-off? Did we have a sign-off? Bring snacks. don't remember? Bring snacks. (laughs) I barely remembered. Oh, uh, so from me and Chelsea, see you next time. Bring snacks. Bye. There it
2: was. It was bye.
1: Bye was my big catchphrase. Bye. Woo, revolutionary shit.
2: It was a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>